0: everyone this is pal i'm here with mo and we both decided that i would be doing the intro for this episode because we are talking about the leo duckins today and it's leo season it's my season (laughs) so um let's start first actually yeah i mean let's talk about the astro weather right now me and mo were talking a little bit about this pre-recording but where do you want to start mo
1: um i mean like let's start with everything that happened after like the mars venus opposite saturn ds it was like i don't know about you but i felt like once that separated or started separating things just got lighter and then um mercury going into cancer just kind of it just kind of felt like a good time to quiet the mind a little bit and just focus on like maybe self-soothing a bit especially if you were going through some stuff with all those like fixed transits because i mean gemini was either trining or sextiling what's going on in leo um and aquarius by sign and because water signs are mute signs like instead of the you know mental chatter of um mercury in gemini like it's just it's just feeling like a time to like slow down and like review things i don't know about you but that's how i feel yeah,
0: yeah. i i felt like the can the mercury in cancer was so like it, it, the quieting of the mind's real but i thought it was so subtle that i almost completely glossed over that transit like i didn't realize mercury had entered cancer but when i look back at it now like it's the, like the, yeah ever since it's been in there even just I, i've been just dis- I've been a lot more like relaxed. That's for sure. And it's just been a lot more downtime and my brain doesn't feel as busy, which is nice. And yeah, the, that Venus enclosure with the malefics was rough. Um, it's angular in my chart. So I had to really deal with that. Luckily Venus is of sect for me. So mm-hmm. I, I, it, I, I, I think it could have been worse. It could have been worse for sure. Um, yeah, I think um, I was telling Mo, it's like this month actually does have like a bit going on, and I think overall it's good. But let's start with the not so good, which is you know next week Jupiter is gonna re-enter Aquarius, and we'll be there pretty much <laughs> through the rest of 2021. So how are you feeling about that one?
1: Oh my god. Like I okay, so say what you want about Jupiter's like short stint in Pisces, but I think it was really positive. Um just thinking about like in the case of the US, um, it it's like the ascendant ruler of the Sibley chart. And so that represents, you know, the nation, its focus, the people, etc. And so it's just like I think everyone got a little too comfortable with the first, like, dip into Pisces. And then, like, I'm just thinking about, like, Canada's chart as well. Um, And if you use, like, the, like, the, I think it's, like, what, the chart for the original Canada Day when um, the two Canadas united to form what is now Canada. Um, It's, like, Aries rising with Jupiter in Pisces in the 12th. Um, and so it was, like, the beginning of the Jupiter return for Canada. And that Jupiter in the Canada chart opposes Mars in Virgo, which rules the Ascendant. So, like, I think that's going to be interesting stuff to unpack, Unpack like, the next, um, the next, like, couple months. Um, it's just interesting seeing how, like, it took, like, Jupiter going retrograde for um canada to start getting on the reopening process whereas like the second the ingress happened the u.s was like okay no more masks like and it's like guys you haven't even fully vaccinated half your population like a lot of people are walking around unvaccinated right now um whereas like people were clowning canada for not having enough people vaccinated but like within that whole um jupiter and pisces stretch we went from only having like 10 percent with at least one vaccine or 20 percent with one vaccine to like almost 80 percent of the population has Jeez. one vaccine and just about 50 percent is fully vaccinated like wow that was that whole that was that whole um jupiter and pisces period up here so now like we're reopening and i think the jupiter in aquarius stuff because i'm thinking about the fact that canada's moon which is also a secondary indicator of like people but also just like land because it's ruling the cancer fourth house um has the moon at 28 gemini and that um that jupiter in aquarius is gonna try in that and i just thinking about the fact that right before we have um jupiter going into aquarius we got the announcement that they're uh, reopening the border to vaccinated U.S. travelers. And so I think the (laughs) Jupiter and Aquarius shit is going to be like the renewal of cross-border travel. Because just thinking about that, like um, I think the U.S. also has a third house Aquarius moon. So both the U.S. and Canada have air third house moons. And I think it's third decan, if I remember correctly. Actually, let me look at the chart. I'm pretty sure it's yeah. also a third deck and noon. So like that's just activating um hold on. USA number
0: one. Yeah, okay, while yes. you're looking it's, at the third show. deck and it is a I third deck and
1: <laughs> third deck and <in> Aquarius Noon. <laughs> and so they both have tried moons. And I'm thinking about um the fact that on the ninth next month is when they're supposed to be um reopening this border situation. And where's Jupiter at the point? Yeah, like, Jupiter's back at, like, 28 degrees of, um, of, um, what's it called? Aquarius. And so that's trining the Canada chart moon, and then, like, that's really close to the, um, US chart moon. And so that, that's feeling, that's feeling very loud, and I have mixed feelings about it. Like, I'm pretty happy, because it means, like, my mom can come see me, but, like... Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know how that's gonna bode for um, the travel situation especially because what isn't the Olympics ending around that time like
0: August 8th I think is on the Olympics and let me double check that yeah I'm pretty sure
1: that's scary then like
0: because I know it's like
1: a three week
0: deal yeah it's um, August 8th yeah I'm looking Ah! at these vaccination numbers now, and it is freaking wild. Like, the US has, you know, the US has been vaccinating since, like, you know, end of December, January, and it's Mm -hmm. like really started to rise like dramatically around like it's like you know march february march april but yeah it's so funny because as soon as the jupiter ingress hits <laughs> it really i mean the the numbers are going up vaccinations still are going up in the united states but it really is starting to level off and obviously it it, it it's going to hit a point where it levels off but it's very unfortunate oh, yeah. that like like you you know you're just canada is up at like 70 80 percent already the us has for the fully vaccinated numbers like we are so close to 50 percent we're at like 49 percent and we're like just not freaking getting oh there God, that's it's like... so frustrating
1: which is strange because like when i was back uh back in uh what was it like end of may early june like everybody that i know is vaccinated like everybody mm. that i was seeing in the us vaccinated but like just to know that like about one. Every other American is like walking around, like, you know, no vaccine, just vibes is kind of, um, kind of scary. A little thing. It is
0: really scary. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, um... <laughs> Yeah. yeah i think one more point on jupiter and pisces that i want to make was it, it was brief um you know, for those of you who do electional for me it was very fun to try to, try to do elections amid amidst you know like yeah jupiter and pisces is great but we also had eclipse season we also had mercury retrograde so it's mm-hmm. um, then jupiter and then saturn both went retrograde so it was like it was kind of like a fun game of trying to find the best elections and try to make the most of jupiter in Pisces
1: yeah and I will say like on the last note for like upcoming astral weather for the next like mm, I guess month like it- it's a bit rough like uh, basically until I would argue Mercury goes into Virgo like yes there's I would not use Saturn and Sun stuff because they're both just like Unless you really need to do something difficult, like, not really the weather for starting stuff. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong, like, having uh, indicators and fixed signs is good for permanence, but, like, do you really want, like, verbal tension and, um, you know, um, the conflict between, like, you know, self and other? Um, and you know just obligations versus like what you actively want to project like baked into what you're trying to do uh, it, it's not a good look like I mean even with like the Taurus moons and stuff don't do it
0: <laughs> yeah don't do it it's it's good for ending stuff that's good what for ending sure. stuff <laughs> yes yes if you need to break up with a person and a contract like that kind of stuff those elections would be good. Um, um but yeah this I was I was talking to mo I was like this Leo season's going to be interesting because there there are like by the end of it there are going to be planets in domicile like obviously the sun in Leo which we'll talk about a lot today. Mercury will be in Virgo, Venus will be in Libra and as we said Saturn's in Aquarius. Um yeah, we were both talking about how we're not we're not like looking forward to Venus and Virgo. I am a little bit, or to, it just because it just won't be angular in my chart anymore. Um, you know, for Leo season, this is going to be a very like Virgoy Leo season because you'll have mm-hmm. Venus, Mars, and then soon, like especially once Mercury gets in there um on 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 the 11th it's like oh yeah it's a, it's a lot of virgo going on this i month.
1: mean i i really feel like mercury going into virgo will like be really nice because yeah. um i don't know like there's something about virgo mercury that is just very don't get me wrong, Gemini, Gemini Mercury is great. I have a Gemini Mercury. Um, It's great for talking, imagining ideas. But I think Virgo Mercury is very good for tinkering with how to put things into practice. And I think that um, the way I see Venus moving in is just like securing the limited, you know, permissions and resources to do things. Maybe Mars like kind of trudging along and trying to like get things started but i feel like once mercury really joins the party and like finally gets out of combustion i think that um things will start to feel nicer plus like by the time mercury starts to approach its like conjunction with mars and like eventually it's exaltation degree in virgo because it's also exalted in virgo um you know um venus does move into (laughs) Libra, so i mean the tail end of um yeah the very tail end of um leo season might be really nice because venus finally finally you know moves into her other home and you know we get this period of maybe like a week where we have like what four planets in domicile or exaltation so that'll feel nice like mid-august the end of Leo season will feel really nice. Yeah. Um, very productive. Maybe starting to make agreements. Um, that could go somewhere. Uh we'll talk about this way later, but um, that's all short lived.
0: <laughs> yeah, Enjoy yes. It it's it very <laughs> it's oh my god, I'm bummed because like I barely I'll ba- I, I barely miss that Venus and in Libra in my solar return then. Because Venus enters Libra on August fifteenth. My solar return. Actually, I think technically starts August thirteenth because I was born I was born in the Philippines, so my like, man mm. I but i I, I, I don't want to complain too much about Venus and Virgo. like Venus does have like can have some dignity there. It's in my fifth house, so yeah,
1: no that's we'll great. See. um, yeah. yeah, no, like Venus, don't sleep on like the triplicity of Venus and Virgo, like yeah. it might not feel great, but like a lot of great things actually comes out of it, like. So, and I find that for planets that have triplicity and, um, may also be debilitated in some way, or even if they're not debilitated, if they're like maltreated in your chart or by transit or what have you, um, you might find that a good strategy is just leaning on the support that you get from other people, like, cause that will help you, um, accomplish your agenda or just realizing that even if you don't feel great, there are, um, You know, people who want to help you, even if you're not getting, you know, like, in the case of Venus, you're not getting the rock star, Taurus, or, like, literal, like, goddess worship of, you know, Pisces Venus. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, there are people who still want to help you accomplish what you can, even if you're not really feeling up to doing the most Venusian of things, right? Mm. Um, Yeah, I don't know.
0: (laughs) True. Alright, do you want to start talking about the Leo archetype?
1: Oh my god, Um, I've been thinking about this all, well, like, all year, actually, because I'm realizing <laughs> we're now starting the second half of signs in our um, Deccan series, because we started with Aquarius, mm-hmm. um, so this is the beginning of the end of our Deccan series, Um. and- No, I don't just say might,
0: it like that!
1: I just wanted to say <laughs> that- <do> <laughs> I don't want it to be over either I mean it's been a good exercise to think about like the signs the planets Um, honestly just going through sitting with the Deccans for like a year and some change and like you know also doing this um, journey with you like incorporating it into my readings because I do a lot um, has really changed like my relationship to signs Um, and also tarot it's Mm -hmm. been super helpful like um and i think it's really like fitting i'm glad we started with aquarius by the way like i <laughs> really like that we're starting um with like like this half with you know the sun rules the sun ruled sign leo and i i don't know like i do want to start off by saying the sun is a malefic <laughs> um,
0: did you say that in the last episode (laughs) i did and (laughs) you know what
1: it needs to be said like (laughs) 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 the sun is a malefic you guys um not and i think in thinking about the sun as a malefic it forces us to um grapple with what that word really means because i know when people see malefic they just think bad instead of thinking difficult right difficult isn't always bad difficult can actually be very useful i mean look at saturn and mars they both represent like very necessary um parts of our life you know mars represents you know areas where we possibly need to be brave areas where we need to like cause conflict where we need to separate things to get something useful or like even create distinctions if necessary um saturn wants us to create boundaries and rules and regulations so that you know we can function uh yeah and then the sun you know like i think people okay the way i can make it the most simple is that when you go outside and there's the sun you obviously don't want to stare into it because you will go blind right um if that doesn't convince you that the sun is a malefic i don't know what else can and (laughs) um you need help if you think you can just stare at the sun and be like okay no you'll go blind I don't know like
0: yeah I you know as, as someone who has three pla- three or four planets in Leo and one of them's the sun but all these other three are so close to Leo that they're considered I mean two are considered combust the one Mars I have I, I we will talk about this later but I yeah I do have Mars in Leo's third decan so because it's in its own dignity and its own bound it would be technically considered in its chariot But nonetheless, even even planets that would, if, if you ascribe to that, like planets that are still in their chariot are still invisible. And that is, I think, one of the parts of the malefic nature of the sun is the fact that it will make any planet that gets anywhere near it invisible. And when you think about astrology and... I don't want to go too much in the weeds on like, you know, why astrology work, quote quote, works, but it has a lot to do with the transference of light that we receive here on Earth from these different planets, these different stars. Mm -hmm. And um, so the fact that the sun will block other planets, rays from reaching us is, I, I, I would agree that's very malefic. I think the other thing that I find really interesting going back to, yeah, it's kind of, you know, we're, we're halfway around. Um, we started the series with Aquarius. I thought it was, it's very interesting that Aquarius and Leo are the only signs that don't have planets that exalt and then therefore also don't fall there. And, mm. you know, Leo is the sun's domicile. So that means um, Saturn, because um, the opposite sign is Aquarius, Saturn's in its detriment. Here and it does it did this mm-hmm. made me like as I was preparing for this episode it made me reflect on the nature of Sun and Saturn more and I think the mm-hmm. other thing on while well, we're talking about the maleficence of the Sun I I think both the Sun and Saturn can be very very totalitarian like where where oh. the Sun they don't want to co-roll with other planets. Like, they literally uh-huh. don't want anything uh-huh. else exalting there. Ooh, and no. so, we yeah, have to I... talk
1: about this. We have to talk <laughs> about this some more. Like, okay, like... I know, like, the one thing that, you know, Pops, like, Astro did very well was characterizing, like, um, Leo and Aquarius as the access of, like, self and other. Mm-hmm. Because, um... If we think about some of the keywords for the sun, it's like the sun is thought of as like, you know, the intangible intellect that, you know, lights everything up, right? It gives things, you know, purpose, because, you know, light is usually thought of as like a metaphor for like, you know, the soul or intellect, right? I know people want to say the moon is the soul. The moon is more like the body, by the way, um, and material circumstances. There's something more immaterial about the sun um, that's captured, and so just juxtaposing like you know what you feel like is your core self is not rooted in like the body that you occupy but it's more so you know the internal world or the um what some would call the conscience some would call the soul like whatever your cup of tea is like the internal experience and that which you act out so that's what the sun kind of is right Mm -hmm. and then you know you have saturn which is like you know the there's this materiality to Saturn um, that is at odds with the Sun because at the end of the day, like what Saturn and Aquarius kind of reminds us is that we're kind of cogs in a machine, right? We're all parts of something bigger. And um, sometimes the essence of what feels like a very individual or personal experience can be overstated, right? And so I think that um, Saturn and the sun being diametrically opposed in that way. And I think this is why the traditional rulerships are great because a lot of people sleep on that diametrical opposition between the sun and Saturn. They just act like it's not there and it's very loud and it's very not subtle. And I think it shows in the Deccans that um, the sun and Saturn rule together. Like they're very difficult energies to, um, hold at the same time we saw that in the last decade of gemini we'll probably see that in the first decan of leo and yes. we'll revisit it again in the last decade of sag um yeah
0: yeah i um I, yeah when i think about like the leo you know the the stereotypes right of just like okay um leo and its worst being like very egotistical and self-centered and maybe even tyrannical right like thinking about it with this kind of this sun saturn opposition is very interesting and that like yeah, the son absolutely can be the, like and especially the son Leo can be that absolute monarch, right? Like I I think of like like Louis the Fourteen vibes where he literally said, I am the son and you know became this absolute monarch who really consolidated power around him and like controlled all the nobility, made them move, like literally like uproot and move into his palace. Mm-hmm. Um Whereas, yeah, I mean, Saturn Saturn, um, Saturn and Aquarius can be like that, too. And I don't want to dig Aquarius too much in the Leo episode. But, yeah, I, I feel like Saturn can be in Aquarius or Aquarius could be the same way. But it's more like instead of like, you know, an absolute ruler, it's more like like for those Star Trek nerds out there. It's like the Borg. Um, you know it's like this yes. hive mind you know right or you're just like yeah. it's all about the collective and assimilation <laughs> um, yeah.
1: yeah like whereas uh, crap like there was this uh, Rob Hand lecture or one version of his like um, sect lecture and he talks about um, he talks about some problematic person I think it might have been Hitler actually having Saturn in um, Leo Mm -hmm. um and talking about how like even though Saturn does have triplicity in Leo like the problem with um so Saturn having triplicity in Leo meaning like there were enough people around to co-sign his agenda but like the detriment of Saturn in Leo piece is falsely assuming that your ego is the same thing as the needs of the collective and um that's like a huge problem with Saturn and Leo because there's this focus on um, what I need to project and that being the same thing as um what the collective is wanting or needing or like responsive to um, versus like think about the Sun in Aquarius where um I you know I have the privilege of being close to quite a few Aquarius suns and um sometimes like struggling to find what they they find i find that like aquarius aquarius sons struggle with authenticity because they feel like trying to assert their ego is not authentic Mm. and they feel like um you know it's like oh there's nothing there's this assumption that you know nothing about my um personal experience or lived experience is necessarily unique like so Mm. what is the point of um trying to trying too hard to like express myself in a particular way
0: Mm.
1: whereas saturn in leo is just like okay well i'm creating this why is no one interested like this is something that the collective needs like but in reality they're like projecting their own internal issues onto everyone else um yeah and what they want to project like so there's this weird um conflation of the two
0: um. I, I yeah, I, I can't wait to talk about Saturn and Leo, especially when we go into like the first second of Leo. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess to wrap up this section, um, I do want to also just point out that the tarot card associated with Leo is strength. And, you know, I was reading, uh, reading T. Susan Chang's a book and I, um, you know, tarot is relatively new to me compared to like, I'm more versed in astrology. Like Mo said, this podcast has also been helping. Me. It's been helping me so much with not just my astrology practice, but especially my tarot practice. But I yeah I learned while reading it. I also I didn't realize that this card is also sometimes called or referred to as lust which I thought mm-hmm. was interesting and that's something I'm still trying to unpack right now but um for as for the strength card i mean especially for those who have their rider weight deck like the card literally has a line on it like (laughs) it's it's the leo card um and you know the significations of being fueled by that fire within right i do think that Mm -hmm. is something that a lot of leo placements special leo sons will grapple with is trying to figure out like and mistaking, I think the struggle is more so like mistaking that external validation as that what that fuel for you when really, yeah, it needs to, you need to find that within.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. And I'm thinking about the fact that Leo is fixed fire. It's not like Aries, which like needs to like burn something down, start something new. It's not um, mutable fire like Sagittarius, which is looking for new, you know, comets to ride somewhere, right? <laughs> Mm -hmm. Um, this is all about, you know, finding that thing within you that's motivating, but also learning how to channel that appropriately, um, which is a huge narrative in the strength card, um, as a major. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like, I don't know. Um, I mean uh let's see oh i didn't do like one of my like annoying things about stereotype busting for (laughs) signs
0: do it um
1: i think people saying that leos are self-absorbed is wrong um i think what a lot of people mistake about um leo energy is just like the need to um you know find a passion or like having it's like people who have this like passion or light inside them that just needs to be expressed and you know people gravitate to that people just do like at the end of the day people do want warmth right and that's what the sun provides it provides warmth it provides nutrients it provides like the basis for literally living (laughs) um and i feel like people who struggle with that energy um i understand but like it's just how it is um and then but the reason that the sun is a malefic is that you can only experience its benefits if you're not in such close proximity to it the closer you get the more you get burned up which is i mean great for the sun it's not great for the other planets or you um Mm -hmm. so you know stay in close enough proximity to benefit from you know the warmth and the insight and also being seen because what the sun does is like at the end of the day it's providing the light that <clears throat> you know is reflected by you know all the planets but most notably the moon um, for us to see but like again if you're too close like it's not going to be seen and it's just going to become about the sun so I'm not saying oh my god don't be friends with Leos but it's just like <sighs> this is also like a metaphor for like not trying to kiss too much ass like it doesn't <laughs> reflect good on you. Like you, it's good to be associated with people who command that kind of attention. But when you're trying too hard to be close, like you're never gonna be seen that way. So, like, the, just just food for thought.
0: Damn. Is your, well, is I your can, hatred I was... of
1: Leo because you're trying too hard to kiss their ass and it didn't work, or? Is it because you struggle? I'm just also thinking about the Saturnian signs. Like, is it because you struggle with seeing the value in um, self-expression, even if it doesn't always feel um, natural or authentic? So, just food for thought.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think there is something. I mean, yeah, with, even in even in a society like ours where. S- Individuality and, and self-expression are like um, are really trumped up a lot more than they have been in previous generations and other. But self, there is something about self-expression that still makes people really, really uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and I I do find that really interesting. And so I do I do think a lot of the Leo hate is unwarranted for sure. I think it, it tends to often reflect people's own. With that kind of Mm -hmm. self expression. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's very funny that self expression can be really conflated with, um, you know, like egotist, like, you know, oh, you're like being really egotistical or self centered or, um, you know, you're really kind of hyping yourself up. When actually, I really find that Leos, um, many Leos can really, really excel, like not just in expressing the good parts of them, but also really the vulnerable and not so pretty sides of them as well i think i have some good
1: examples that. yeah no i have a lot of um interesting examples oh finally before we jump in is that as we go through this half of the decans like i'm thinking of the fact that if you think about cancer and uh leo as archetypes they're usually associated with monarchs in some way whereas like um the saturnian signs uh, capricorn and aquarius are like you know, the undifferentiated collective or, like, people who are not um, often elevated. And so as we work our way back towards Capricorn, which will be our um, last sign in the series, uh, you'll probably, like, just something to keep in your mind, like, when you're listening to these. And then even just as we go through the examples, like, some of it might show up a lot
0: Right. so do you want to jump into leo one then
1: oh god leo one uh oh, this Deccan. <laughs> this freaking deccan. uh oh, where do we start with leo one um <laughs>
0: Well, let's, um, <laughs> let's say, so Austin Coppock calls this the mask and the spotlight. And I think there are, there are some ways where this Deccan actually, you know, when we, we were just talking about the Leo stereotypes of like the performative parts of Leo, like I think in depth, I, I, I can, I can see a lot of the stereotypical Leo falling in this Deccan actually, because even though it is, mm-hmm. it's Saturn ruled, but it is also Sun ruled it is the only decan that is sun ruled
1: yeah yeah and um uh so an aside i think it's funny that um susan Chang calls this in her book uh under pressure and i'm thinking of the fact that uh it's a david bowie song like a song david <laughs> bowie did with queen and guess what he's an aquarius rising ruled by saturn conjunct the moon in this freaking deccan. like it's, it's just <laughs> i was like i was like going through my examples and i'm like are you kidding me like this is too good like it's too on the nose um yeah no i agree with you pal like this is definitely like the most just like if you think about aquarius one right like you know the typical like the stereotypical oh i'm a rebel like oh i need to do things differently like this decan is arguably like the most leo like if you think of all the leo stereotypes it's this one caring about what people think of you this decan um needing the spotlight this decan um you know needing to perform and i think some of the like fifth house like leo equals fifth house stuff kind of comes to light here but it kind of breaks down in the other two decades i feel um
0: Hold on, I gotta, I gotta, before we get too far off of your David Bowie under pressure <laughs> example, I had to quickly scramble to see, like, wait a minute, like, what is Freddie Mercury's chart look like? He does did. not have a confirmed birth time, but he does have Saturn in Leo in this deccan. And oh my god. He, there too? are a lot of yes. <laughs> So I, he has a lot of songs that I, I do think fit in Leo 1 but the one that pops in my head the most is The Show Must Go On and it is like mm. the Leo Deccan 1 anthem <laughs> as, yeah. as well as Under Pressure by David Bowie and Queen yeah no it's it it, it was very
1: loud Um, so yeah no this, this Deccan has huge like performative energy but also like what I liked about 36 Secrets is that um, she talks a lot about, like, the narrative of what, like, Kronos about to eat his children. <laughs> she was talking about how, like, there was a prophecy, right, about being mm, usurped or overthrown by the next generation. And so Saturn, having established itself, is trying to oppress, like, other elements, right? Um, and then he eats his children, and they're all, like, you know literally pressure cooking in his belly so they can't do anything right but i think um i think it was rhea right or rhea however you say her name um she protected zeus and um put him away so that he could fulfill the um prophecy and so i'm thinking of like some of her metaphors in the section of her book where she talks about like Saturn, you know, being um, ruler of some of the decans, like the Taurus Deccan, for example, Saturn in the um, fixed Deccans, um, speaking to cultivation in a way. And so if you think about um, like the Taurus three decan as like picking the crops that survived a harsh time and like finding ways to fortify and protect them, especially after you like. Lost a lot, or if you put a lot of effort in and got nothing in return. Um, she describes this deck as being like a hot house so that plants can grow, but like maybe the temperature not being favorable for everything to grow, but only for the best of the crops to grow. If that makes sense, yeah. So there's this element of like needing to cultivate your best under difficult um situations. And if you think about the process of making diamonds, like it requires a lot of heat and pressure under the earth i mean like that's how most um minerals of value are produced and mined and i'm thinking about saturn and mining as a concept like mm-hmm. um it's like you're creating these things over time and there's also this temporal element that saturn is bringing so it's like think of it like a test and it's like maybe you fail multiple times but it's like by constantly putting yourself in the position to be evaluated or to be scrutinized that you're able to refine yourself like do you want to stay cool or do you want to become a diamond like think about it i I don't Hmm. know that's that's just me (laughs)
0: yeah i I think the other thing too i'm just kind of continuing on this note about this Deccan really being like the way T. Susan Chang describes as a pressure cooker is the five of wands represents this Deccan or is associated with this Deccan. And she calls this the Lord of Strife. And, I I I have my IC here, so I've paid attention quite a bit to this deccan, which means I have my mid-heaven in the opposite deccan, which is um Aquarius One, which is also a card that shows conflict. There are two cards that show conflict, but it's like very, very different kinds where the queries One Deccan, the Five of Swords, is um there's a defeat. It's the Lord of Defeat. Whereas this the Five of Wands, like the strife, the struggle is still, it's 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 currently happening. You look at the card, there's like there's a bunch of men fighting in it. Um I have found though that like there are a lot of cards that show some kind of like like their struggle, fighting, defeat. Um this one is obviously, it's definitely struggle and there's definitely pressure, but even when I've drawn it, I've tend, and this kind of, kind of goes back to just the performative aspects of this Deccan, it tends to be a lot of just, it, it's mostly internal. <laughs> and um, it, 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 for me, it, I get to, I tend to draw this card when there's just a lot of frustration and pressure and it's mm-hmm. like often mostly stuff I mount onto myself versus like outside pressure. Like I drew this Mm -hmm. card once when, oh God, I had a friend invite me to a (laughs) whole class. And I'm not, I'm not a dancer. And so this was something that was completely, completely outside of my comfort zone. And I cried after. And it's like, no one, you know, obviously no one was making fun of me. And no one was mm-hmm. judging. And everyone was probably paying attention to their own shit. Like, I know that intellectually. But I just felt the Leo one, like that five of Wands was fucking screaming out to me that day. Because I was just... I felt like I was being such a big baby but it was really like no like at the same time though, I don't want to discount like that internal pressure really is um really really difficult and is something that's worth pushing through
1: yeah no I I also like that she brought up the um like the opposite um card and like now that I'm thinking about it like you could probably like conceptualize the cards in terms of like their actual opposing minor like for the Deccans that oppose them other stuff i've played with is um like the Deccans that are trying to it but like that Mm. that could be like a whole other thing but like the opposition is really standing out like especially because it's like if you think about that progression you could think of it as like okay i'm in this like competition with people for something and maybe i finally get the strength to like put my idea out there maybe and like i'm thinking about the all the fives which are all the fixed um the first seconds of fixed signs so like uh and i'm thinking about the progressions. So like maybe you you're competing with people and you fight and then the five of cups which is like scorpio one you go so hard for something and you went you put your best effort into it and then like you experience like a partial loss but like you decide to keep going anyway, right? You've already sacrificed enough to get to this point. Keep going, right? And then you get to the um, you get to the um, five of uh, swords position, and it's like, okay, I'm putting what I think is going to be my best idea out there, and maybe it gets rejected by other people, and maybe elements of that card representing like the resentment or isolation you feel because people don't understand your vision or what you're trying to put out there you know, like, and then finally the five of, um, pentacles, which is, you know, that first second of Taurus, like the anxiety you feel about even getting back on the horse and like starting to put things into motion. Like, I don't know, just thinking about that whole journey is, um, very loud. (laughs) Yes. Um, it's very loud. Um, also I noticed that like people, because with some of my examples, like I do have like, royal examples and um like monarchs and shit but um
0: yeah my examples, also elected was...
1: officials elected oh, yes. people.
0: i have a lot and and because of that i think i was telling mo this i'm kind of bum because i was like wow like i really have way too many men in my examples this this for this Deccan series so i apologize in advance i wish i could scramble and find more women examples last minute but yeah i think a lot of it is because i, I do have a lot of elected officials and pol- politician examples and yep. you know they just tend they to be men there.
1: yeah Sips. um i have a couple but they're not like elected officials they're like other people um
0: yeah
1: oh uh before we start like let me just read the descriptions from ibn ezra the picatrix and agrippa okay so ibn ezra says a large tree on whose branches there is a dog and a vulture and a man wearing pretty clothes though dirty and he is about to hit his father um pause note so when i think of this i think of the whole like chronos versus um zeus thing And, like, how somebody's, like, vying for the position of another, like, that competition. And so, uh, we'll explain later in detail. Sorry. (laughs) Okay, the Picatrix says, a man dressed in filthy garments, and there ascends with him a figure of a lord of the horse looking toward the north. And his figure is like the figure of a bear and the figure of a dog. And in this face is a strength of liberty of strength liberality and victory um agrippa says in the first face of leo ascendeth a man riding on a lion it signifieth boldness violence cruelty wickedness lust and labors to be sustained okay so yeah oh fuck i forgot the yavanajataka oh no wait we're good i have it (laughs) okay the first decanate in leo has a belly and a body like a lion's he's fierce armed with a sword and arrogant with mighty strength his deeds are terrible and cruel and he desires spicy food his many lingers i don't know what that that's a question mark okay anyway examples
0: (laughs) (laughs) i like how i mean i guess after right after you read those descriptions it is really interesting how like just both the descriptions of this deccan as well as just the card like you know the tarot card associated with this is for a decan that saturn and sun ruled right like you know you typically think of those when you hear that imagery you think of mars but this again goes back to the points like we were making earlier about how like i really do think a lot of this deccan can i mean on top of just the pressure and the fighting a lot of it is for fighting for control whether that's like controlling an audience controlling um i guess people around you that kind of thing so yeah
1: right and i don't know like it feels like it feels more deliberate like i feel like mars like yes scorpio mars is more deliberate but like i don't feel like mars plays the long game at all like saturn is a lot more um calculating Mm -hmm. um the sun as well just because you know both of them like move uh, well mars does move a bit slower through the zodiac but like um the nature of mars is just a little quicker yeah, um sure yeah okay. i have i have some interesting examples and i i find that i need to pair some of them for it to make sense hmm. okay so i'm gonna start with um my my royal examples um, you're gonna laugh because charles the prince of wales and camilla duchess of cornwall both have their ascendant in this decan i think their ascendants are actually conjunct wow um and camilla has saturn who rules partnership on the ascendant and i think it's interesting that think about charles like even though he's in line to inherit like he's literally the firstborn He's going to become like King of the United Kingdom, like whenever um, Queen Elizabeth dies. Like it, it is, but if you look at his imagery and like the way he is, I don't know, like he, he feels the need to control the narrative, especially around like siblings and stuff. And I see that right now he's getting a lot of attention for trying to um, stop his younger brother from, I guess, inheriting the Duke of Edinburgh title, which was his, um, his late father's title. And he was, like, that title was supposed to go to his youngest brother when um, Philip passed. But not only is Charles doing that, but he's trying to make his wife, his second wife, Camilla, queen. Even though she can't be queen for whatever, like, weird rules there are. Um, And, you know, that title would have gone to Diana. And I'm just thinking about the fact that Camilla has her Saturn here, who represents Charles, by the way. Because that's her spouse. And, um how both of them seem to be committed to like i guess making camilla palatable and like whatnot because i mean they did have an affair and it wasn't like well received by the public um charles is not popular (laughs) um for good reason um and just seeing the fact that these two have this and like charles is that person in her chart was very loud to me and it's just like this person who is already like in line to like take on their parents role is like trying to like trying so hard to be liked and trying so hard to like um you know command attention and things like that but he's like doing things that are not making him well liked by people i don't know (laughs) like that that was very not subtle to me yeah yeah yeah,
0: I have a I, I also have a pretty good Leo ascendant example in this deccan, and it's Pablo Picasso. And oh, okay, yeah, okay. yeah. He and that so that ascendant's ruled by a Scorpio sun in the fourth house, and oh I thought God, it was a good example. <laughs> 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 I um, <laughs> I thought this was a good example because of the. You know, as, as we were saying earlier, Austin Coppett calls this Deccan the mask. And I mm-hmm. Picasso is known for his constant shifts in self-expression in his art. And he went through, like, what people call it now is, like, he went through all these phases that people will now call, like, the blue phase or the red phase or, like, whatever phase. Mm-hmm. Um I, I think more than most artists, really, like the fact that, it, like, you know, that there, there are even names to these phases is very interesting. He was constantly experimenting, as well as just a, a lot of modern artists during this time, right, of like the idea of um, how, of, rep- of representing form, right? Like even to this day, even way after Picasso has died, um, people will still, you know, people who don't really, I guess, understand modern art will still laugh and be like, you know, a five-year-old paint this but I think what him and a lot of artists were really trying to explore is like something doesn't have to like perfectly you know like photographically look like something to be able to signify a thing and um but yeah with Picasso in particular like there is a lot of um self-expression um you know also portraiture in his art too and so um yeah I just think a lot about just his constant shifting and just self-expression um and that i i also it also just made me think a lot too about what austin was saying that like um you know a ma- like a mask isn't in authenticity necessarily it really is just like recognizing that there are just so many facets and sides to us and that we will sometimes represent one side more than the other right like even even the fact that we have like avatars and profile pics and like that kind of stuff right like we really are like you know it's just like an expression of one side of us it this isn't necessarily like being an authentic
1: yeah no you know who that makes me think of um david mm. bowie who as i mentioned has his ascendant ruler in this particular deck and um can join his moon and what struck me about his bio was that like in order for him to achieve success like a lot of his even though he's remembered like in a very uh, as like a legend right um a lot of his early career was marred by like you know failure and like he was constantly trying to like put himself out there he was trying to experiment with different um ways of um expressing himself and he actually took on different like um personas like ziggy stardust he had a couple of other ones like But it wasn't until he reached that one that he um, got the acclaim that he was looking for. Um, Something else that I was, like, looking at was that um, a lot of people in his family, like, struggled with, um, like, schizophrenia and other related disorders, and that influenced his artistry to some extent. Um, And I feel like some of that is, like, the moon Saturn trying to, like, I guess, like... I feel like there's something about trying to... um, explore that for himself i mean he also did have um health issues related to like drug use and things and that did influence some of his like personas and things um and so just like him needing to change his persona do a wider range of things also another thing is that like it was interesting that he tried to make music work because people said that if he had seriously pursued acting he probably could have been a great actor but Hmm. i guess he just decided that he wanted to do music like for whatever reason um yeah uh interesting do you have other examples cuz i have other examples
0: <laughs> oh i have other examples um i i want to i'm just trying to think um do i want to do a sun example or a saturn example um I, let's go saturn um, okay, there are many, many, many good Saturn in Leo examples. Like I think we had already mentioned that Hitler <laughs> has his mm-hmm. um, Saturn here and I'll talk a little bit about him. Actually, I don't really want to talk too much about him. Um, but one good example I have is this artist and architect named Le Corbusier. who is French and he is considered the father of modern architecture. He has his Saturn and this Deccan in the third house, ruling his ninth house, Midheaven. And he, you know, for those of you who have ever observed like just Western architecture and you just asked yourself, why does this shit look so boring? Like, why doesn't, how do we go from this to, you know, like ancient, the the way ancient Greek and Roman, like, you know, architecture used to look with the arches and like um, more of the, um, you know, the, opulence and the decorativeness it's because of Le corbusier actually <laughs> he um oh, his, he's cool. famous for saying like a house should be a machine for living he really really spearheaded the era that we're in now in architecture which is very like utilitarian and that everything should be just be purely functional and not decorative and so a lot of just, um, yeah, even the fact that you don't really see archways anymore unless you're in some like older building that's meant to like look older or is actually older. Um, like the fact that doorways are really just, it's all 90 degree angles, that's all Le Corbusier, mm-hmm. and I just think it's really funny that his Saturn is here. Um, and I think it's a good segue. The other thing too is like he was very much a fascist. <laughs> and very much ascribed to extreme right conservative ideals um like many in his time like hitler <laughs> i think they were probably born at around the same time probably but they both have that saturn and leo um but on that note too like look like i also don't want to say like saturn and leo especially in this decade is going to be like oh you're going to be a fucking fascist like on no. the other side of it too like bill clinton Bill Clinton also has a Saturn here, and Mercury here as well. Um, So does Al Gore, as well as a lot of folks who were kind of born and around those years. Uh,
1: Speaking of Al Gore, I actually need to pair um, George Bush, uh, 43, um, and Al Gore, because they both have their ascendants in this decan. And Bush actually has Mercury conjunct the ascendant. Um, Hold on, let me... I have to pull up both charts so i can compare in real time but I, what, when i was thinking about the symbolism of this it was so it was so not um subtle because they both have the ascendant in this decan they're both people who like put willingly put themselves in positions to be judged by other people and to get elected um but i'm thinking of the fact that george bush has bush jr has mercury conjunct the ascendant in its joy um And the fact that Mercury rules his 11th whole sign house, which has to do with like friends, other people, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking of that whole election sequence and the fact that there was also like, I think it's what, like that Mercury retrograde or something that ended in Libra. But anyway, like there's this whole sequence of how Mercury came in and intervened in his favor because even though Gore won the popular vote, he didn't win the electoral vote. And apparently there was potential like, glitching and cheating going to on in florida (laughs) and this made me think of like wow mercury and joy comes and saves the day like
0: yeah, that's really fast. I'm i looking up the charts now. That is really, really oh freaking fascinating. Because when you look they have at Al Gore's the same
1: chart, chart. they do have the same chart. They have the, have same, have the chart. same chart. Like it's but crazy. it's funny
0: because it's funny because when you look at the Al Gore chart, though, it's like oh, you you see that his Leo ascendant and all of his other Leo placements are ruled by this Sun and Aries, and it's joy and exaltation. His midheaven's mm-hmm. also this ninth house, and that's so it's really fucking funny to me because it's like yeah. On, literally on paper, as well as just like uh, astrologically, like Al Gore really should be winning. Like he really <laughs> fucking won, but that Mercury really fucking clinched it for <laughs> George Mercury W. Bush. Came
1: <laughs> like holy crap, that Mercury came through in clutch. Like seriously, um I think also for the fact that I'm also thinking about like, I mean, we should have used Bush for the Cancer episode because he's got Saturn and joy.
0: Uh, yeah i'm thinking
1: about think about the fact that trump also has saturn enjoyed similar degrees um and apparently like you know he had intervention of some kind help him get elected uh i'm thinking about saturn being um saturn just being a major triplicity lord of like all three um houses of relationship for both bush and trump like just the fact that foreign like meddling was even suspected to be like important in them getting elected was pretty, that's pretty on brand for Saturn and joy (laughs) in its terms, by the way, in the freaking 12th. Like, so yeah, no, this to me was like, don't sleep on Saturn and joy. And then for the fact that both have like, um, first house stelliums of some kind in Leo, like both, uh, Bush and Bush Jr. And Gore, um, I think also like Gore having both malefics in the first house uh probably wasn't helping at all. Um and then you know Bush having Venus there in the third decan which we can talk about later like seems to be very um influential in some way. Like I don't know, it's like don't don't sleep on it. <laughs>
0: Oh my god! Yeah, we could yeah. do a full episode just on freaking this, as well as like the more it, recent election. We should, we should, we should think about that. We should, we should totally. Oh, <laughs> uh,
1: it, it was too good not to bring up. I was like, wow.
0: <laughs> yeah, we could talk. Uh, yeah, I mean, now I'm, I'm just looking at Al Gores chart. He's I, I didn't have Melissa as an example for anything, but now I'm looking and I'm just like, oh, he also has like he has Leo too placements as well so we could talk about yes and leo too
1: we're gonna talk about leo too uh, mm. (laughs) because
0: yeah um um, i don't think i have any huge other examples like yeah i mean i just kind of rattled off a few um i i thought it was very interesting um just one quick one i went into this rabbit hole of like um herman Mm -hmm. melville last night he wrote Mm -hmm. moby dick And he has his son (laughs) in this deck in. And so the thing with Herbin Melville was he really, when I think about like the strength card, as well as just like that son being there, he really fucking had perseverance. That's for sure. He was a very prolific writer. He really fucking tried. He like, but he actually never really got famous during his time. Like he really tried to rub elbows with like all the other writers at the time, but he just never really got the financial or success mm. or the fame that his other counterparts got um, he's got this son in the fourth house all his his um his ic is also there and so i think it's really interesting that he only really got big after he died um, Yeah, but that must, you know i'm just thinking of that sun in that first decan. like that must have that must have been a blow <laughs> for him yeah
1: yeah no um i have like three other well i have four examples i could rattle off um so one is like megan duchess of sussex she has mercury conjunct her no- north node here uh, i think it's telling that mercury rules like the third house but also the 12th and people are obsessed with her every move and like whether it's like to praise her fashion sense or to like criticize like her the way she makes money um people are obsessed with her um also I think about the fact that she had a heavily monetized um lifestyle blog uh and i also think about the fact that mercury rules her um lot of fortune uh which is in the gemini twelfth. Hmm. and so just this idea that um mercury is you know third from fortune there's this need to like put herself in environments where she's like scrutinized especially like i don't know there's this element of like wanting to belong to communities that shows up in her chart that might not be like the most accepting of her like that's a theme that's there Mm -hmm. um i don't know but like she's also a good leo 2 example because she has the sun there um let's see jackie kennedy onassis like she has her eighth house ruler conjunct the sun Mm. so it's mercury in the 10th and i think mercury's retrograde in her chart um and you know like part of what shaped her public like reputation was you know having to live through the assassination of her spouse um but then also her marrying this um so she married a rich like millionaire billionaire guy who she was friends with Mm -hmm. partly because she was paranoid that something bad was going to happen to her kids and she mostly did it for security um and like don't get me wrong it like gave her a lot of wealth and stuff but at the end she didn't end up like she had to forfeit like most of her claims to his estate um through a settlement with like one of his um kid i think his only child who was like his only surviving heir um steven spielberg who has a second house Saturn ruling the sixth and seventh house. So he's actually known for having one of the most expensive divorce settlements ever. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like a huge, like it's weird how like he's known for having a lot of money, but that's also like a huge thing like that. He's always going to be talked about or remembered for. Um, and then um. I found that when I was reading his bio, like, there was a struggle that he had between creating meaningful work he wanted to do, but also doing well received work with other people that he really didn't like. And unfortunately, like, part of the reason he got so successful was because he had to collaborate with other people. Like, doing it on his own, like, no, like, there was a period of time where he struggled to get his own, like, creations made because no one wanted to give him money. And, like, I think Saturn no Saturn rolls his 8th house why did I say six? I meant 7th and 8th so like you know needing other people's money and support has been a huge part of like his success but like it was also something that like was really hard for him in the beginning with his um film career but I mean this goes to show that even if you're a night chart with Saturn in the second house like you'll still be okay <laughs> he's not hurting he's not hurting at all <laughs> um- <laughs> uh last example is gianni versace who's got his 10th house uh saturn in the second in i think it's interesting that you know his mom was a dressmaker and he did an apprenticeship with her before he decided to do fashion design and something that was interesting about him was that he was really proud of his um particular um culture he comes from the um calabria part of italy which does have elements of like greek architecture and like mythology that's like baked into the culture of the region and that influenced Mm. a lot of his art and his design um and so what was interesting about his approach to design as well was that everybody was kind of doing like plain um muted colors but he decided to combine like classical elements with bold colors and like andy warhol type um like drawings and art and another thing is that, like, he actually centered like knowing a lots of famous people in um, his fashion shows. So he was the first like designer to act actively invite famous people and make them sit front row in fashion shows because no one was doing that before he did. Um wow. he obviously like Saturn ruled siblings, and so his siblings taking over his legacy after death, especially Donatella, was um, huge, and then he actually did a lot of stage like so the stage production part of like that Saturn is also really loud because he actually did a lot of stage production for theaters and for concerts and stuff so like he did like the stage design and costume design for like one of Michael Jackson's concerts for example like so I thought that was pretty pretty loud (laughs) yeah um yeah so that's that's i have other examples when i'm like ah, no <laughs>
0: hmm. yeah i i do not have any more examples and i i, I love your examples because then but then it also gets me down this rabbit hole of i just start looking at all these charts and then like i'm looking at the versace one and um you know the thing with like I'm sure other people of color are like this too, but like with Filipinos especially, it's like you know all the famous Filipinos and the one every time I think of Versace, I think oh the guy who murdered Versace was Filipino. We'll we'll even claim the baddies too. Oh my God! But I, yeah, so I know this guy also has a confirmed birth time, and I'm now yeah, I gotta stop looking. I gotta stop looking. This guy actually has Venus and Leo in this decan, but I don't know enough about him. You're other than joking? Him murdering
1: Versace? Wait, his a t- birth chart.
0: Yeah, this yeah, this guy who murdered Rosajis. What his name, house does rule his um let me let's see. So um he's also a Taurus. Jeez, this guy's a Taurus moon and rising like me, but that Venus, so that Venus rules his sixth house and his um first house. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god scream anyway maybe That's maybe we could good. do true we could do true crime <laughs> like no, podcast should. episode one day too
1: <laughs> we should that would be fun
0: keep that one in mind okay um
1: okay leo two. Um... leo
0: two. so now we are on to the decans that are like double ruled by planets and so this is one of them this is a jupiter jupiter decan and it's Austin Coppett calls it the Crown of Laurels, which I think is very fitting. And the card the tarot card associated with this is the Six of Wands, which sure enough is a man kinda on a horse, on horseback, you know, parading doing his like victory parade and he's got he's with wearing his crown Laurel of laurels. Crown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Yeah. It's this? one of you know, mm. you go ahead, you go ahead.
1: No, this deck like I I have a hard time with this one like i really do um yeah no i you say something first because i'm
0: (laughs) i will because i actually like don't have a hard time (laughs) with this deck and actually think it's like one of the more (laughs) it's one of the more straightforward ones like yeah it's 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 okay you had the struggles and the strife in the first decade of Leo and then now rises up a victor. Like there's always, there's a winner, right? And so this guy is, or, you know, whoever Um, it's, it's, it's the celebration now of like, okay, I've won. I am now on top. I rule. But I I do think it's also a little bit more complex than that too, because I, I like that um, T Susan uh, Chang says, you know, she associates, you know, the, the phrase, like, uneasy lies the head that wears the crown with this deck
1: mm-hmm.
0: Um There is also, you know, like, being on top isn't all, um, you know, rainbows and sunshine either. There is also just the fear and anxiety of, like, wait, like, you know, how long is this going to last for? Um, on the flip side, too, there is also the danger of having hubris and... thinking it's never going to end which is also just as dangerous right you let your guard down you like take things for granted you like yeah you just think you're gonna be on top all the time and that's just not how the life works either so yeah
1: um yeah no like i mean i will argue that this is like one of the more positive decans in terms of the framing of it like just like you know the last i mean the middle decade of cancer like it's a little it's a little more positive like but i think like how positive it is also depends on like who you are in the narrative like are you the person watching someone being uplifted or are you the person being uplifted right um like so positive for different reasons and maybe negative for different reasons um and i like how in 36 secrets t susan chang describes this as your moment in the sun so it's like your time to shine and it's like you know i think of the fact that all you know all like empires regimes like periods of something where somebody's on top they don't last forever right they can last but not forever um and so i think about um i like her um narrative of you know the wheel of fortune and the fact that there are five um jupiter ruled cards and decans in Mm -hmm. um, the journey of the wheel of fortune and so i'm really like a huge fan of her framing of the wheel of fortune as providence or like the ability to jump on this wheel that's always turning um and so this is one of the like upper parts of the journey where you're being uplifted and so It's like, hmm, and it's like there to kind of remind you that fate isn't always, like, how do I put this? It's like, fate isn't, like, deliberate, but it's not always fair. Does that make sense? Like, Mm -hmm. it's not like, oh, it's not like everybody's, like, only some people are, it's just like, you wonder, it makes you question why some people get things and other people Mm -hmm. don't. And so, it's almost like, being in the right place at the right time or knowing the right people um, can bring you um, royalties and success. And it, and there's almost this element of depicting people who um, kind of like the Pisces two Deccan, like people who like kind of align themselves with circumstances um, and receive something. Mm-hmm. But instead of like the pisces like more of the passive like opening yourself up to experience there's something about these people doing things that are deliberate and then just being rewarded anyway even if they're not putting in a lot of effort Mm. and so there's this element of like also benefiting from proximity as well that i Mm. see um with placements in this decan like yeah i don't know
0: I could see that. I, yeah, there is, a, I think both Austin and T. Susan Cheng talk about the amorality of victory that, and it is, it is just something that we as humanity constantly grapple with, right? Like just the realization that life is not fair and the people mm-hmm. who rule, it has nothing to do with whether they're good people Or bad people, right? And so it's no surprise to me that a lot of like religions or just other faith systems just have a system of or a system of justice where you know don't worry like at the end of all of this like afterlife like we don't know what it, but but the people the bad people are going to like get their due right <laughs> it's like um because yeah the but because the current life that we're living right now no it doesn't work that way like there mm-hmm. are definitely people who rise to the top who are not good people don't do good things
1: yeah and like this is not to say that if you have placements in this deck in like you're a bad person. Like no, that's not what this means. It's just that sometimes people who have placements in this deck in like either like if it's representing you or people in your life that are represented by the planets in this deck in, they might get things and you want and it makes you question why, like well, you know you know like what's fair and what's not, right? And like who um you know like who gets to benefit and who doesn't or like um you know it just leads you to question why right like or if you are someone who's benefiting from proximity to those people it can show like the benefits that you gain because of that um yeah i um,
0: I, I have my mercury and venus in this token. so yes like it's not a bad thing to have placements in this one um for me you know, the, 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 again, going back to the sun being malefic, these are my two combust planets. So it is really mm-hmm. even freaking hard for my own ass self to interpret these t- two planets in this in for me and how it plays out in my life. But again, it kind of goes back to like, I, I think for anyone, right? Like this, the, this is where all the conversation about privilege and stuff comes into play, right? Of just like how it's just so hard mm-hmm. to like, even just assess your own and to be really, really objective. About mm-hmm. it, like, yeah, I, <laughs> I know. I have to really kind of step back and just think about, like, oh yeah, there probably are ways that, like, I have Venus here for example. There really are ways that, like, my connections and community have, like, really like benefited me mm-hmm. that I even take for granted and stuff. Especially since it's a combust Venus.
1: Yeah, and I mean, like, so in the case of combustion, like the way that I've seen it is, like, I know some people say that in some traditions, like, certain sects of Vedic, um, that planets that are combust are angry. <laughs> um, and then uh, planets that are combust, it's, like, they also... It's not good for the planet, but it's good for the sun. So the sun gains powers by, like, basically swallowing up the talents of whatever planet is next to it, right? And so thinking about, like, the sun ruling your fourth house like i don't know if there's like dynamics there like with parents or like even just people you live with or like your living situation where that all kind of gets like swallowed up maybe
0: oh yeah that's why i live alone now (laughs) (laughs) i thrive best when i live by myself i think
1: no that's that's brilliant that's brilliant um (laughs) Let's see. Okay. I'll I think there the can.
0: Time. Oh, sorry. Oh. One more thing about this. On that note, even, I think there can be. I think there can be a little bit of loneliness in this Deccan, right? Because that's the other thing about being on top is like. Yeah, for it can be like who who do you trust, or um, or even the distance that other people will put between you and themselves, right? Because you're there. And so, I've it's funny because when I've drawn the six of wands, like I do think the six of wands is overall like a good card when you do draw it. I have tended mm-hmm. to draw it on days where I'm by myself, and I actually did draw it on a day where like I, I it wasn't a good day. I actually got into a really big fight with my partner, and. And the fight, he was supposed to come over. Um, I don't want to go too much into it. He was supposed to come over. He ended up not coming over. He never bails on me. This is like the one time he bailed on me. And I was freaking livid. And to me, <laughs> when I look back at it now, it's just so funny because it was very like that, you know, I guess that hubris or just like that. Like, I, I have this expectation and like, this is how it should be and it not getting met it just it felt like a much bigger fall than it really was it wasn't really that big of a deal when you especially Mm. if you have anyone outside of this listening to it right it's like really it's not that big of a deal but it felt like a big fucking deal at the time but you know at the end of it he ended up not coming over and i ended up actually having a really really like just a lovely evening to myself where i just was like okay this is gonna be one of those evenings where i'm just gonna like light myself some candles i'm gonna eat some ice cream i'm gonna like really appreciate what i have but i have I have noticed when I do draw the six of wands, like, there is mm-hmm. there just tend to be, like, a lot of alone time associated with this card for oh, me. Oh,
1: that's interesting. And you know what? Now that I think about it, that makes sense, because it's like, when you are elevated above people, like, it can be lonely, but there's also, like, equally this, like, loneliness, but also, like, this removal from people's problems, like, because you're, <laughs> in, a different, you're in a different stratosphere. And, like, sometimes I wonder if people who have placements, like, the sun for example in this deck um when they talk about their own like issues or experiences if like some of that like they end up commanding attention but maybe like in ways that distract from other people's problems not to say that everybody doesn't have problems but it's just like some people do have it worse um and something else that i think of is like like fan culture or stan culture right like you're elevating people right and you're putting them up on this huge pedestal and it's just like you're setting them up to like look bad i I don't know Mm -hmm. that's that's stuff that i um think of when i see this
0: yeah i know i think that's great did you want to read the descriptions of this and then we could jump yeah, into yeah, examples
1: yeah. um okay so i've got ibn azra a man whose nostrils are fine on his head there is a shape of a crown of white myrtle and a bow in his hand he is fierce like a lion in his anger and he is wrapped in a cloak that looks like a lion the picatrix says there ascends in the face second face of leo the image of a man with a crown of white myrtle on his head, and in his hand an arrow, and this is a face of beauty, a man ignorant and and common who will mount and ride a horse, and this is a face of war and bared swords, um, and this is its form. Uh, Agrippa says in the second image ascendeth um, an image with his hands lifted up, and on a ma- and a man who is <laughs> who on whose head is a crown. He hath the appearance of an angry man, and one that threaten, threateneth, having in his right hand a sword drawn out of the scabbard, and in his left a buckler. It hath signification upon hidden contentions and unknown victories, and upon base men, and upon the occasions of quarrels and battles. Uh, and then, hold on. Dun, 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 dun. Yavana Jataka says, the second decanate in Leo is a bold women- woman with loose hair. She's on a mountain peak, proud in taking away the wealth of another. Terrible, she causes <laughs> his death. Her actions are like those of a rogue. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, low key, like, it's low key, like, um, maybe the person who's winning didn't deserve to get here. <laughs> like, uh,. <laughs> Just thinking of some of my examples because I'm thinking of two people in particular. I'm thinking of Barack Obama, and I'm thinking oh. of Meghan Markle, Duchess of Sussex. And I'm thinking about how, like, even though they're both pretty um, popular people, they're also equally polarizing people, right? Because mm-hmm. um, Obama has that son uh, in the seventh. They were bo- both. Um, they're both August fourth birthdays, by the way. Um, so. They're, what, 12-degree Leo suns? And um, so Obama has that ruling his seventh house. And I'm just thinking about his public image as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know, like... I don't. It's not that he's not aware of people's problems, because I think what got him elected, actually, was just having this, like, inspiring vision, right? But I'm also thinking about, like, maybe his relationship with other people in um the democratic party because you know he's this newcomer that shows up and is just like elected in like almost a landslide like after only being a junior senator right like yeah it's like did he really put in the work to get here right and then i'm just thinking of um like Meghan markle um and how money has really worked out for her seemingly with little effort because it's just like you know she's a very accomplished person i'm not saying she hasn't done anything but it's like when you look at the rap sheets of other um like actor even when she was an actress like actors public figures like she's commanded way more attention and hasn't done nearly as much as some people and so i do think of that um And then I think of, um, who's another example I have? Uh, uh, Kate, Duchess of um, Cambridge, who has her ascendant there. And she's kind of described as more of a, I don't want to say lazy, but like she doesn't work as hard as other royals. Like say Charles, for example, he's considered the hardest working royal because he's always doing everything. And I kind of think about the juxtaposition of like, this particular deccan of leo versus the other two because i feel like the other two like work so hard they work so hard but like this deccan doesn't have to like put in nearly as much effort uh but i also think about the pageantry of the um middle deccan of um leo because if you think about the card that's associated with it there's almost like this very symbolic like gesturing and i think about how like through her married life her whole life has become about like just being there for show right Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. i also think it's funny that like her ascendant is in the same decan as um megan's son and she's been trying to emulate megan ever since Mm -hmm. um and then just going back to the pageantry piece i'm thinking about um queen elizabeth the second who's moon in the eighth ruled her husband like because that's she has a cancer descendant and his whole role was like more um performative like he didn't really by virtue of marrying her he didn't really have to do anything but just Mm. like be there right He just had to be there not saying that you know this dude didn't have a hard life i think his descendant is actually in this in this deck In i have to check because he's leo rising as well and moon so like hold on give me a second I'm pretty sure yup he's got his moon conjunct Neptune and the Ascendant in this decan of Leo actually so like the fact that that's straight up her husband is pretty loud like um, so I mean don't get me wrong he actually served in the military and everything like he's done a lot of things but again a lot of it's performative gesture stuff right Mm. and i think some of that required him to deny his own like ability to pass on legacy to his children which was a big deal for like a huge chunk of their marriage like and it caused a lot of problems behind the scenes so that's Mm. just stuff i think of so like heavy is the head that wears the crown right like
0: yes i okay so your Obama example made me think of Hillary Clinton's chart because <laughs> she has Mars exactly conjoined the Pluto in this decan, And, you know, here's a woman who, I mean, people will probably, I know there's just, she is also very divisive, <laughs> a polarizing person, right? And it's the fact that she's had two extremely unsuccessful runs for president, but it was... It was especially the rhetoric around her first run against when she was still trying to get the Democratic nomination, Um, you know, it it was really coming down between her and Obama. Um, It was, you know, there were a lot of people who were saying that, you know, you were, as you were saying, right, you're pointing out, okay, Obama was this junior senator, like, did he really like Mm -hmm. earn that top spot? um mm-hmm. a lot of people juxtaposed that with hillary clinton as someone who actually had you know many many years of like being in political office and you know her her time as first lady she was very very active and so people were really kind of posing her as like no she absolutely like deserves this spot she has the experience blah blah and the connections and she's just a long time democratic party member blah um she obviously didn't win and then she oh, she's lost twice she didn't win against trump either um I, I know there's controversy around her birth time and I have not looked into it enough where oh like God. I've even made a call <laughs> on that I'm, I'm I bet it'll be fun to talk about her some more when we talk about the Scorpio decans because she's got that oh huge Scorpio still God right. listen
1: so I mean if I had to guess what her ascendant is um I know people want to say Scorpio but like hmm that um 8 p.m birth time like that's floating around which would give her like either a very very late gemini rising or a very late a very early cancer rising that to me feels a little more accurate but like i would not be surprised if she's out here just giving wrong birth times i I would not be surprised like i yeah, no.
0: yeah, I, I do want to look into it more because I'm like, really, if she was a Scorpio rising and then that would just it just puts all her Scorpio and Leo like so strong and angular. Like, I just feel like obviously she's done very well for herself. I don't want to discount like her mm-hmm. success or anything. But at the same time, like it, it is really, really. <laughs> um, Yeah, the lot la- these last two presidential runs were just. that's just a whole other thing i want to dive into yeah
1: and i think that like um because what like the year that we were doing what 2016 we were coming off um a mars um retrograde in sag um (laughs) and you know she natally has mars saturn conjunct and you know i think mars and saturn were conjoining in sag so like i don't know i i'm feeling really like um I think Mars is tied in with her career somehow. I feel like Mars is doing 10th house stuff for her just because Mars seems to like there was a good podcast on the astrology podcast about um, looking at um, the Mars retrograde cycle and possibly trying to rectify her chart, but also like um, what's it called actually revisiting the predictions of the 2016 election Um mm-hmm and talking about rectifying her chart like personally i don't think she's a scorpio rising but um water rising makes sense to me i I don't know why it just does um
0: if she's a cancer rising that would give her that like mars ruled like 10th house Mm -hmm.
1: um Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um yeah no like i i i really think it's that like and then just her having that like just also thinking about like what represents her um her um partner and just thinking about her and her Mm -hmm. um perceived likability as a person i don't know somebody having like venus and is jupiter in sag by this point or is it in scorpio
0: it's in sag yeah, it's okay. a zero degrees. I, was to say. I was yeah. To say. Um Yeah,
1: I don't know. And like the reason that I think Cancer Rising could work is because if she's early Cancer Rising, it would put her in midheaven in Pisces and that it'd be ruled by that Sag Jupiter. And I know that she's known for um promoting like universal health care when she was first lady. And so that mm-hmm. that to me would be really loud. And then just her having like a Pisces, uh, moon ruling the ascendant in the ninth house, like interested in politics, interested in like the glamor and maybe the illusion behind it. I, I, I I mean, I don't know. That's, that's just me. Like I could be wrong. Happy to be wrong. Like it's fine. I, I, I personally don't know. I don't really have an opinion either way, but
0: yeah. could work. I, I do have some other examples. Mm -hmm. So, um, for son and Leo, and this deck, Louis Vuitton had his son here in the second house, oh. and I, I yeah, I didn't know he got really big by being the trunk maker for Napoleon the Third's wife, and he was the one who got, introduced rectangular canvas trunks. Like it's just something we kind of take for granted now, mm-hmm. but it's like whoa, oh, like um, and then um. As well as, like, pick, proof, proof locks. Um, anyway, but I thought that one of the interesting things in his biography is, you know, on this theme of, like, that Leo II being, like, okay, uneasy lies the head that wears a crown, right? He was extremely successful while he was alive. He was, like, making a big name for himself. I mean, that's a big fucking contract to, like, be working for Napoleon Third's wife. Um, yeah. Well, the... The Franco-Prussian War happened and completely destroyed his entire workshop, all of his tools, like, fucking everything. Like, he had to literally start all over. But Mm -hmm. he did. He fucking did it. And it's after that restart is when he came. He restarted his brand. And that's when he came out with his iconic logo that still is used today
1: damn that's impressive no i really like the the benefiting from proximity thing because like we have whitney houston who has like sun and venus conjunct in her sixth house Mm -hmm. and so like obviously she has a gorgeous voice like and she's pretty talented in her own right and i'm thinking of the fact that um these planets uh they're like trying her jupiter and she's something else in aries i think it's mars uh let me pull up her chart real quick she's pisces rising yeah pisces rising ruled by jupiter in aries which is trying that sun venus conjunction oh it's the moon and jupiter in aries which is really pretty i like Mm. that um unfortunately she had saturn opposing like the sun and (laughs) also venus um which is not fun but anyway like i found it interesting that her mom is actually um a pretty talented and like decorated uh, gospel singer in her own right. And her mom also, um, I think she used to tour with Elvis. She used to do backup singing for Elvis. Like she's related to Dionne Warwick. And um, she, I think Aretha Franklin was like her honorary aunt, godmother type figure. But anyway, she had a lot of proximity to, um, you know people who were in the entertainment world blah 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 she would do performances with her mother and like i'm thinking of the fact that she got discovered because she was doing something with her mom and the only reason she couldn't take the contract (laughs) was because her mom's like she's in high school like she still (laughs) she still went on to be um pretty big anyway but i don't know i thought i thought it was pretty cool that she had all these um affiliations um yeah I have I have generation? another yeah I
0: have a couple others so I have a good um this you know this is a double Jupiter decan so I have a good one for Jupiter in Leo and that's Pope John Paul II and okay. he's got this Jupiter in the eleventh house where his mid heaven is that mid heaven's also in Leo too and um it's all ruled by this eighth house Taurus Sun and oh, I wow. um yeah when I just think of his Jupiter being here like he. Um, He really successfully upheld like, you know, like Catholic conservative ideals. Um, He you know, on Jupiter, right? You know, one of Jupiter's significations is expansion. One of the things he's known for is he beatified and canonized more people than any other pope in history. Like, he was just, like, going off, just, like, um, canonizing, like, everyone. And then he himself, like, after he had passed, um, the canonization process for him began one month after his death, when normally there's a five-year waiting period. Like, people were all quick to, like, canonize him um he was also known as being one of the most well-traveled popes or world leaders um even to even in today's standards and stuff where it's so much easier to travel but he he was constantly traveling he was constantly like all over um and yeah I I thought that was a good example of just like that Jupiter in Leo um it, it like you know in the 11th house um he, yeah, he was very, very successful, and he still, to this day, is, like, a very, very beloved Pope. Um, But, yeah, I think people also really shouldn't forget that he was also very, very conservative, and he really, like, upheld that, like, you know, the Catholic Church's, like, pro-life mm. stance, and the fact that, you know, like, priests shouldn't get married, and, like, that kind of stuff, so... um My last example is um, Frederick Engels has his ascendant in this Deccan, and I... You know, we've talked about Karl Marx in previous episodes, and I do think it's very interesting um, that he, yeah, he's got this Leo ascendant in this decan, because look, like Engels was famous um, in his own right, like at the time, and he co-wrote like most of the books that Marx has his name, but even during his time, and especially now that they're both like long dead, um, Marx was, like is and was like the most, the more famous of the two, But it's interesting because Engels didn't really seem to mind very much and actually was like he he was the wealthier of the two and he was constantly Mm -hmm. bailing Marx out of Marx's constant financial issues like between Marx's wife and like him it was just like that was really the only reason why Marx was able to stay afloat. And it's interesting because I think to me my interpretation is like I think Engels just really genuinely believed in marx's like intellect and work oh and for sure that them two working together like um it, it was gonna be for the greater good right so again like i it just kind of just makes me think a lot about just like yeah leo is not really like this self-centered like oh it's just all yeah, about yeah definitely sign. not and
1: <laughs> i think we should talk about angles during the sag episode because he's got a big ass sag Stellion and then just seeing that like that sun saturn trine um because they're basically like writing partners right yeah um yeah like this dude was committed to marx and his vision they were like besties like Yes. and it, it without Engels, we wouldn't have the communist manifesto like basically read and translated like and other works by marx it's because you know Engels took the time to preserve his friend's legacy that um we have this
0: so yeah i Their yeah is to- interesting
1: <laughs> too like wow i'm just looking at it now like they have really interesting sinistry. Um,
0: they do, they do. Like, I think all of, like, Marxist tourists would be in Engel's 10th house, right? Mm-hmm. And I, um, yeah, I, we, we will talk more about him in the Sage episode for sure, <laughs> but just a preview of it. Um, I was reading in the wiki that um, Engel's life motto was take it easy, and jollity was his favorite virtue. <laughs> uh, my-
1: god yes we have to talk about him in the sad episode you you cannot make this shit up up. damn (laughs) um i'm thinking like okay i did want to talk about al gore and george w bush well mostly al gore because if you think of the seventh house as the ruler of open enemies like right and you're competing with people right so like mars is join pluto and saturn in this decan and his chart And it's like, okay, him getting defeated by an opponent who's, like, seemingly not worthy of the role, Bush, um, is pretty loud in his chart, like, when you're looking at it. So, like, what's interesting is that if you look at um, Gore's bio, is that, like, reading it is like, okay, I'm reading about the star-studded, like, kid who's, like, kind of coasting through life, like, (laughs) school was easy for me, I was reasonably popular and, like, got into, like, Harvard or whatever the hell, and um, you know, but then you get to these positions where you want to go for, like, the big power role, and it's, like, you're outclassed by somebody who tries less hard than you. Like, (laughs) I I mean, it sucks because, you know, like, Mars does rule his lot of fortune, which is conjunct as Aries Midheaven, and it's, like, unfortunate that we're gonna remember him that way it's really unfortunate like don't get me wrong this guy does great stuff for climate change and whatnot but like (laughs) yeah it it really yeah
0: it's true it is really funny that we've had so many examples of this theme of like people who aren't really quite deserving of the position getting the position and Mm -hmm. like even with the, the, the the hillary clinton example we gave earlier right like i I don't want to gloss over. Like we talked a lot about Obama being like a junior senator, but I think even fucking worse was fucking Trump. Like losing the Trump. No the experience. <laughs>
1: no. Literally just like angry mouthpiece. Oh <laughs> yes. All aggression and trash talk. No uh, no vibes, just trash. Like and she she loses. I mean, it it sucks because she was favored to win by the polls, even like um the week before it, it, it's crazy like it, it was crazy like it wasn't like oh she's gonna win outside the um margin of error it was like a comfortable margin like okay she'll probably win it won't be a landslide but like yeah i mean wow and she ended up you know joining the tradition of won the popular vote but didn't win the electoral college um so th- yeah there was that um oh boy yeah i have a couple more examples i can share so one is elizabeth taylor Mm -hmm. um she actually has her jupiter ruling her ascendant and sagittarius in the ninth house in this decan and something that i think of is like her era of trying to do film and recreate shakespeare with um with uh richard burton like and how like she's weirdly shaped pop culture like through her romance with this guy (laughs) um and i'm thinking of the fact that like she was trying to perform some of these roles like not having you know read shakespeare deeply not having done like theater deeply and like she still went and did it anyway um And, I mean, they grossed quite a bit of money together, but I thought it was interesting that they, like, the two of them and, you know, their complicated love story um, has shaped, like, pop culture in certain ways. Um, And I think that speaks to, like, her having, like, a fixed ascendant ruler in that ninth house. And, like, some people who are more familiar with um, Vedic astrology might say that, like, massive fame actually lies in the ninth house and not the tenth. And so... I mean, there is that. (laughs) I mean, it doesn't help that, you know, it shrines her um, Aries venus which does rule her midheaven, so, um, and Venus is rejoicing in her fifth. so, like, her doing performances, and, you know, in some of these performances, all she had to do was stand there and, like, be pretty, basically, and not speak, (laughs) so, (laughs) it's really telling, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then... Oh, one more example I have is Jean Piaget, who is um, accredited as this founder of Influencing uh, Developmental Psychology. He has a South Node Eclipse and Jupiter in this uh, decan of his uh, Leo third house. And so I think what happened was he had experience um what's it called he had experience uh doing psychometric testing on children and instead of being focused on how much they got right or wrong he was more interested in like why kids do things wrong especially because he noticed that some of them would do it on purpose like and so this motivated him to study his own kids um and i don't know like him having that south node eclipse um um in the third house Um, and Jupiter there um, conjoined is telling me or giving me the impression that like something about his very um, observational approach to psychology was allowed to be very influential. And I think of like that happening on the, um, you know um, third ninth house axis, like that particular eclipse is like all about the um, experience of theory versus practice. And he was very focused on like the practical observable, like um measures of like how we you know form our egos or form our sense of self or form our understanding and i think like you know having a leo third house is very loud for that but like even more so that he has like the south node and jupiter like eclipsed there Hmm. i don't know yeah yeah i
0: am i don't have any more examples actually
1: uh, I don't either. I want to get to the the best Deccan.
0: <laughs> the best Deccan. <laughs> All right. Leo Deccan 3. This is another double ruled um, Deccan, but this one is double ruled by Mars. And Austin calls this the banner and the card associated with this is the Seven of Wands, which is referred to as the Lord of Valor. And so it's a continuation of this story, right? We've gone through... The first decan of Leo was like, okay, you're fighting for that control and that power. That second Deccan is like, you won, congratulations. This third Deccan's like, wait, now you gotta continue to fight for your position. You gotta like continue to like fight, stay in power, or like perhaps the same people who elevated you to power are now to kind of turning against you. So um, yeah, that's what we've got going on here
1: yeah no i love that austin like this Deccan, like the um the third Deccan of aries has big propagandist energy um it just does um i like that um t susan chang describes this as no guts no glory and you know glory and this deccan of leo is probably the loudest because the other one it's like okay i'm fighting to be acknowledged um the previous is like, okay, I'm acknowledged with seemingly little effort. And then, like, the third Deccan is like, shit is really hitting the fan. And it's like, you don't find out what really matters to you or why you're doing something until, like, that happens, right? Uh, I like and I that. Like, and I like that she kind of describes it in terms of, like, what does she say? So her wording is something like the need to correct for the original sin committed in the five of ones the part of the sequence is corrected in this deccan. and it's like yes you have the crown and you fought for it and you like have the position but it's like why do you want it why do you deserve it right um and i think like elements of this deccan and its imagery like based on like i, I guess her like reading of it suggests that there are like two approaches to dealing with that you can be like the rich king ignoring your demise but you could also be like the underdog or unlikely person willing to risk it all to like achieve this sort of like immortal honor it's like you know people might not like me or respect me or maybe like i do have comfort or something but it's like (laughs) i'm giving that up to fight for something more important you can either ignore that your kingdom is under siege or you can give it all up and like fight for a cause.
0: <laughs> yeah, I do like it. I do like I mean overall I do think this Deccan is about yeah, really discovering or you know really coming to terms with something that's bigger like and worth fighting for. That's something that's more than just a glory, right? Like maybe it's you know, one of the examples she gave in the book was maybe it's peace, right? Um, yeah. um but yeah sometimes you you gotta cut your losses too but yeah I, yeah
1: i'm thinking because like austin says like overcoming like the limitations of flesh to achieve great feats and like i do wonder if like people i'm just thinking about my own like leo mars and joy like i have a tendency to like not take care of myself when i'm really like obsessed with um achieving a goal like and so i'm thinking about the fact that the second house rules like um not just like you know your possessions and income but also like um you know like food and just things you need to nourish yourself it's like yeah sometimes i forgo that because i'm so like engrossed in what i'm doing like it was a huge problem uh during college and like i'm thinking of my ninth house perfection here which was like my i think it was like my the transition from my second to my third year of college where I had to correct a lot of that Um, because that was also Mars world year for me so it's like okay I can't you know you can't do all these great things if you're running yourself into the ground right and it's like needing to and then even the last Mars perfection year I had last year was just like trying to correct my relationship to um, I guess sustaining myself so that I can like and sustaining my meat suit so I can, like, do things. Because you can't do things if you're not um, functional. And I think that's something that I've seen, at least thinking about my own Mars placement.
0: Yep. I I, I also <laughs> have my Mars here. It's malefic of sect for me. So um, I, I, I've gotten to the age now, especially where I, I have learned how to has harness the power of this like leo mars where overall like yeah it does it can give you an abundance of energy and drive and perseverance where yeah you really are kind of foregoing what your body is even telling you to a point um but you know, it's Mars is still Mars and there can also just be like, well, even even yeah, even forgoing like or not listening to your body or like doing too much can be also a form of self destruction. But there are also mm-hmm. just other destructive things that can come come with this. I going back to, you know, what you're saying earlier about um about you know austin you know calling this kind of like the propaganda deccan. i i I actually have like i have that plus jupiter in aries 3 and like that that's like literally my job like i work in communications and public relations like i have to Um, i
1: mean yeah i have i have the venus in aries 3 and then i have the mars in leo 3 and they're trying each other and venus is in my second house so it's like i'm trying to figure out what that means for me uh i mean just thinking about the fact that mars rules like my second house uh mars is a planet associated with surgery and um mars is in the house of injury and illness uh mars also rules the ninth i've worked in a lot of academic contexts where i've studied like disease and i've i i use animal models to do that um i'm looking to get out of academia i'm realizing it is not it's not where i want to be and i feel like it's not a good use of the skills and knowledge i've amassed there and i feel like i need to um reach a bigger audience and i feel like that's where the venus trine is coming in because you know venus does roll like my third of like communicating you know Mm -hmm. educating and communicating to people like in accessible terms versus like the ninth house like very technical jargony terms so i like that i have that trine and like i retain mm-hmm. that sidereally because like it just becomes like libra aries instead of scorpio taurus and like they're still trying and they're still in the same sign so it's like different decans with same sign but it's like the, that third house ninth house connection it's like i need people to like be inspired by like you know the deep learning but like i also need the people doing the deep learning to see the applications of the deep learning
0: for you do you do you see this play out in terms of like resources for you because it is the literal second house but i think even aside from that right when i think about this deck and i think about like you know, knowing what your limited resources are, and like having the ability to like rally others behind you, so that you can like get more resources, or even on the propaganda stuff, right? Like making it look like you're more resourced than you really are, um, that kind of thing.
1: Um, I don't find that I make myself look more resourced than I really am. It's more about like convincing people to like provide resources. So like yeah. I'm thinking of um when I was in my sixth house year, so that Mars was active um I got a scholarship um to go to school so like that was pretty fun and I feel mm-hmm. like that was that whole um experience for me um it's like literally here are my skills here are my talents give me money to go to school like <laughs> yeah. um that that was that um the thing is I'm I don't want to stay in academia because it's like, oh, but it's like maybe like grant writing because, you know, uh, Venus rules my eighth and like, you know, Mars rules my second, like convincing people to give me grant money to do research might be something that I unfortunately do or am involved in in some way. But it's like, I want to be the person who gives grants. I don't want to be the person fighting for the grants Mm -hmm. because the fighting part is not fun the giving part is fun the fighting part is not so (laughs) you know i might have to build a bridge and get over it and just like you know do it um yeah i mean i don't know because i'm also thinking i'm in the taurus year now and like that my venus is activated but it's like trying that mars like that's the strongest aspect i think between venus and any like traditional planet so yeah, maybe applying to some scholarships this year i don't know like uh, i don't want to <laughs> wow, No, that's effort i don't have the energy no i mean i can find the energy but like i'm finding like with saturn in the sign-based opposition now like it's it's rough like i it's hard to muster the energy and i feel like saturn is really trying to ask me to like Reprioritize where I'm directing my energy like
0: uh, yep so yeah that Saturn's doing the same with me because it's in my 10th house so it's especially applying to like work and this overall public life stuff but on, you know, on the energy thing, like, I so I have both Sun and Mars here. So, you know, going back to, like, yeah, when it comes to combust planets, like, my Sun's absorbing the planet, the power of three planets, and it's, like, all in this third decan. So I, on one hand, like, when I have, like, an idea and I have many ideas because also keep in mind my my Jupiter and Aries is trining both the sun <laughs> and this Mars. When I have an idea, um, I will fucking like, you know, like hold the banner up and just like really pump it up and really try to rally people behind it. My problem is like I have to sustain that energy. It goes back to what I was saying earlier with the Leo archetype of like really finding like that warmth and that light, like, Mm -hmm. within, and that fire within, and not falling into the trap of requiring external validation, like, and I do, I do struggle with that, I do struggle with, like, I have, I put an idea out there, and if it doesn't get the reception that I want, like, I, I, I get really fucking let down, (laughs) really, really easily and yeah. but i have found that when i push through that and i if i really really believe in the idea and the cause and i just like really really like harness that fixed leo fire then mm-hmm. it, it people will eventually like follow
1: yeah i think like for me i'm almost thinking about like astro twitter like <laughs> once I like gave up on trying to like do things that people like which is ironic because I'm thinking about like what she says about like the four of wands and like five of wands like thing in particular but I'm also just thinking about my Venus Mars try it's like once I just accepted that like there's kind of a fun like joy in like making some people mad it's like Astra Twitter became a little less stressful for me and it's like <laughs> Let's just like do this sophisticated shit posting or like the occasional rant, like because it's a better use of my energy. Like, and you know what? If some people don't like it, that's fine. Like, and I find that like with this deccan, there's almost this like I feel like this is the deccan the most where it's like Leo is as an archetype is willing to shed like ability to defend yes. something that's important. Like that comes across hugely like
0: yeah I, I I think it's such a contrast to the first den of Leo right where it's funny because like you've got you've got this second deco sandwiched by two kind of very fighty deccans but the fight's very different like Leo one really it's a pressure cooker right like it's like um when slights happen um you know like letting it build or because of just worries about likability um or you know like public perception that kind of stuff but yeah this really is a decan or it's just like you know fuck it <laughs>
1: yeah fuck it like it's like um okay yeah i got the likability that i needed to build something important yeah i enjoy the fruits but like now the thing's under threat oh fuck like fuck all this shit i'm i'm literally gonna scramble and like do what i can to defend it you know like that's huge um, Yeah. Yeah, no examples.
0: Examples. Um. Well, do you wait? Do you want to read the oh, description? Oh shit! Of this?
1: Descriptions, brain. Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um. Just warning. Like, I don't like how people like Ibn Ezra describe it as an ugly black man. That really annoys me. And it shows yeah. the like eyeball. I eye roll like. I don't co-sign any of that like it's fucking annoying but I'm not gonna like not read it and pretend it's not there so there you go um Ibn Ezra says this is an ugly black man laborious intelligent with delicacies in his mouth and meat in his hand the picatrix says an old black man old man black and foul holding fruit and meat in his mouth and a jug covered with copper in his hand and this is a face of love and delight and of trays of food and of good fortune Agrippa says, in the third face ascendeth a young man, in whose hand is a whip, and a man very sad, and of ill aspect. They signify love and society, and the loss of one's right for avoiding strife. Um, okay, and then the third decanate of Leo in the not- Jataka says, it's a woman whose actions are marvelous, and who is cunning in respect to machines and to undertakings involving the arts, business, or jewels. Seated on an ivory throne, she considers the murder of her enemies. <laughs> oh my god, the Yavana Jataka descriptions of Leo are so brutal. Like, <laughs> oh my god. Uh, sorry, that. I mean, it's just like, you know, you got to protect the wealth. Like, I mean, but I think, like, if we go through the examples, like it it can just show the range of approaches. It's like, look, your legacy or your reputation's on the line. Are you gonna double down and defend it? Or are you just gonna pretend it's not happening? Like, I mean, the first example I think of is George W. Bush, who has that first house Venus in this decan. And I just think about the fact that he was able to rebrand, like, Mm. I mean, not to mince words this dude is a war criminal like he went to you know went along with his you know shady advisors like willingness to um fabricate information so that we could go to start these like very long and unlawful wars um and it's weird how he's been able to rebrand Yeah, i feel like the venus there is like just him just kind of like You know, like, not really, you know, rocking the boat or anything, but, like, you know, kind of like the figure just, like, okay, everything's burning and, like, you know, people are not happy. Like, you know, people went through this financial crisis, like, towards the end of his presidency, right? And, like, you're spending all these this money on wars that are very unpopular. And, like, instead of, like, you know, trying to motivate people to agree with him, like, just kind of sitting there... You know, all vibes, not really doing anything. And I feel like part of the problem was that, you know, he was so memeable during his presidency. Yes. That we treated him like a joke.
0: And we treated him like, like he was stupid, right? Like that, and that, you know, um, Rumsfeld, who, by the way, has Jupiter in this deck. <laughs> uh, was, you know, the puppets, you know, he had this whole cabinet who were just kind of puppeteering him. And it's like, no, come on. <laughs> I
1: mean... I think that that's true, but, like, he was still complicit. It doesn't change that he was complicit. And I think it's just because, you know, he's not the active hand, that he had these people around him. Like, I think of the third house as, like, the people closest to you, and Venus rules that. Um, And just, like, um, you know, I I don't know. Like, it it just helped him rebrand, unfortunately. Like, because now everybody thinks he's just, like, this harmless grandpa who like hugs michelle obama and paints which is true (laughs) but like i mean he does those things but like he's still a war criminal like it 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 doesn't change that you know it doesn't change that i'm sorry like it just doesn't
0: (laughs) i'm like annoyed all over again that we didn't talk about him in the cancer decans episode but i'm also like I'm also just annoyed because now I'm looking at Rumsfeld's chart and he's also got this strong eighth house. He's, he's satirizing, right? It's like, fuck. Oh, <sighs> maybe we could do a special episode just on <laughs> fucked up, like, US leaders and their cancer placements. And no, we should. Like, chart. I think
1: that, you know, like, I think um, with midterms coming up next year, that would be a good, like, that would be a good series to do. Like, truly.
0: yeah. Ooh.
1: Um, yeah. Um, I feel like we all know about Trump and his first house, Mars, conjunct the Ascendant. Um, yes. Look, I mean, we, we all saw, you know, 2016 through 2020. Not going to make you guys relive that again. So... <laughs> You know what that's like.
0: <laughs> yeah. I do have another. Um, I, I Did you want to talk more about Trump? Or, cause I have no, another, no. That's yeah, all I, I want to say about I, that
1: That's guy. so funny
0: because I also put, I have a quick bullet point that says, like, yeah, Trump got his Mars. His AC there. But I don't, I, I don't really want to talk about it too much anymore. I'm done. But no the other mm. example I had of someone with their ascendant in this Deccan is Martin Luther. He has a confirmed birth time and he, you know, he started the Protestant Reformation by writing and posting up 95 theses and he's got he's also he's got this Leo ascendant also ruled by this fourth house Scorpio son. And one thing that like This is kind of going more into the mundane and less into the um, natal stuff, but the last Saturn-Pluto conjunction in Capricorn Mm -hmm. took place in December 1517, or started in December 1517, and October 1517 is when he supposedly, and this date's contested, right? That's when he had posted up the 95 Theses on the church in Germany where he was at, but... It was January fifteen eighteen where ninety five theses got translated into German and spread like wildfire. Like you know when wow. you hear it, the, the printing press was like starting to get like really like big around then, right? And so the fact that it got translated one, even the fact that it got translated like a religious text got translated from Latin to German was a big freaking deal. But the fact that it was easily distributable now because of the printing press um after that it, it started getting translated in all these different languages like french and english and stuff and that's really what sparked the protestant reformation and so um going back though to i guess martin luther's like um leo ascendant yeah i I just think it is really (laughs) significant that the thing he's most well known for is starting like he caused this gigantic break that led to a split in the catholic church that we still see to this day
1: damn yeah um i have a couple of like lady examples um (laughs) so uh my first one is uh princess margaret um uh queen elizabeth's younger sister and so in her younger days she was like a very popular socialite she has her son in the third decade in her fifth house like she was a hugely popular socialite she had like you know she was very attractive people liked her she was like very popular in nightclubs but like you know as she progressed through her life she couldn't like do all those things and i think she did have to sacrifice some of that to um kind of serve the interests of her sister who eventually became um monarch right mm-hmm. and so i just also think about the fact that she and her sister have sons in exa- in an exact antitia with each other mm-hmm. so they're like shadow conjunctions because she's like a 28-degree or 29-degree Leo sun, and her sister, uh, Queen Elizabeth is a zero-degree Taurus son. And so like I feel like that part of their sinistry is just her like you know, trying to support her sister. Um, and then ironically, another person who has like third deccan um a third deccan luminary who had significant interactions with the queen is uh Margaret Thatcher. Hmm. She has her moon in the third decan of freaking leo in her 10th whole sign house ruling the ninth and she was responsible i mean she's like basically the female british version of freaking ronald reagan like i mean she influenced politics in england to be more nationalistic more um conservative more um focused on the individual and I feel like in the last decade of um, Leo, something about her moon there is just like her overstating the value of like removing responsibility from the government and turning it onto the individual, you know, as a reason to cut like um, funding for certain um, social institutions and things like that. Um, and what's interesting is that despite all the criticism um, directed at her. Especially because, like, a lot more um, social tensions, social unrest, um, higher unemployment was happening. Like, there's all this turmoil happening, like, under her, um, you know, leadership. But, like, she was the most, like, popular, um, you know, Tory figure that was elected. And she was elected, like, overwhelmingly, like, three times. Yeah. (laughs) Like... I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know, like, it's just really interesting how, like, a lot of these people who have placements here, like, come under fire for certain things, and yes, they still manage to drum up enough support, and uh, I was reading somewhere in her bio that, like, some people now feel that, like, some things that took place under her rule, um, or her leadership as prime minister, um, like may have stirred up, like, sentiments among, like, the Scottish in particular um, to try to have independence. And only now are people blaming her for that. But, like, you know, at the time, it's, like, people, despite, like, all the stuff that was going on under her, like, people still wanted her to be in charge anyway. Like, um, I don't know. Like, yeah. it's interesting.
0: I... I'm I, I've never looked at her chart I'm looking at it now as you're talking and I'm like a little creeped out at how similar her chart is to my partner's except like instead of like he has his t- Taurus stellium but she's got this like Libra one like it's like it's like she's like the Libra version it's
1: yeah weird. <laughs> she's Saturn she's Saturn on the ascent. she'll be interesting to talk mm-hmm. about in the Libra Deccans episode like
0: Yeah, the Libra Deccans, like maybe even that Scorpio one, because, yeah, she does have both Saturn and the Ascendant in that second Deccan of Scorpio. But this is so funny. Um, One quick example I have of someone who has sun in this Deccan is Jennifer Lawrence. She's the only woman example I could find for this episode. I don't know why it would cut that way. But I do think um, it's really interesting that she's had these big ebbs and flows in her popularity. And right now, she's kind of like, yeah, I haven't really heard too much about her in the past, like, few years. But she, when she first started, I mean, she came in big, right? Like, she was the youngest actress to win, like, four Academy Awards. She was the second mm-hmm. youngest Best Actress winner at the age of 22. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm surprised she doesn't have any Leo II, like, deck emplacements. Because, like, she actually has never, ever studied acting. And she says that she acts just based off of, like, just her observations of, like, other people. Like, she doesn't do method acting or, like, anything like that. Um, she, it's funny, it was when, when she was, like, in her upswing, she had, like, this really, like, this this favorable reputation of being just, like, really quirky and self-deprecating mm-hmm. and, like, you know, very down-to-earth. Um but yeah, but I think she's also like, I don't know if it's, you know, I've lived in Hawaii for eight years now I'm not sure. It's probably not as big of a deal like outside of Hawaii than it, it is here, but she got a lot, a lot, a lot of flack here. that I don't think people are ever going to forgive about she, um she, had, she was filming Hunger Games here and she was on a talk show talking about her time filming it. And she was, she was trying to be funny and she was going on about how she was like fucking around with some secret rocks here and oh
1: I remember that I remember that she (laughs) got flamed so hard for that
0: yeah and so that and and then yeah I just really haven't heard like too much like she's not the most controversial like character up there but it is really kind of interesting like that she's kind of on a downswing right now and I um I also just like I don't think this is the last we'll see of her I'm sure she'll come back
1: yeah i mean i i don't know i also found that like a lot of her shtick was like i'm the quirky relatable like unapologetically me and i'm not gonna let um hollywood change me Um, yes and so i remember that was like a huge part of like all the buzz around her and i remember her and other people like um shailene woodley and like other actresses who like kind of had a similar vibe like they all had their little um, popularity period around the same time. Like, I remember that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah,
0: I I, mean, I have I have one more example, but do you have more?
1: Uh, I want to do Kamala Harris because she has Mars and this in I have a good um, Mars
0: one too, and I think that's it for me. But you go ahead with but, Kamala Harris.
1: I don't know. I feel like other stuff in her chart is like more other stuff in her chart is more um pressing if that makes sense like i'm looking at her bio and it's like i'm not doubting that the mars is there it's just that like i feel like maybe some of her like libra scorpio and virgo placements are a lot louder Mm. um yeah so i might like hold off on her but you can share yours
0: yeah, my, first, my example is, um, so Ulysses S. Grant has his Mars <laughs> in this oh decan, in the fourth house, ruled by a first house Taurus son. And yeah, it's, 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 it's as literal as you could get with Ulysses S. Grant. Like, he was the commanding general of the Union Army during the Civil War, which one, obviously, he created the Justice Department. And one of his big things that he was like, the the reason why he had done it is he was really working to protect African-Americans during Reconstruction. His father was an abolitionist, and so Mm. he um, really kind of took that on himself. And he was secretary of war before then becoming president. he's not perfect. I mean, there's definitely a lot of fucked up things he did. Like one his policy around native Americans, like he, um, he really truly believed that it was like the assimilation of native Americans that was going to be like necessary to kind of move forward. And so oh. that unfortunately led to the battle, oh, like no. the Sioux war, um, as well as the famous battle with general Custer. Um, but, and, the, but, you know, the other thing too is, you know, his, even during like his presidency, um, obviously back then people didn't think it was people had also like the, the public was very supportive of his native american policy unfortunately we can look back at it now Ugh, the freaking
1: settler colonial projects everywhere yes unfortunately
0: but one of the things he was criticized by about with his contemporaries is there were a lot he fought a lot of corruption charges as president. And what historian? Yeah. You know, he was president during like it was the start of the Gilded Age and industrialization in the United States. <laughs> and he a lot of a lot of a lot of historians now. Think think that he he did chummy up with a lot of corrupt folks maybe he himself wasn't taking bribes or anything like that but he definitely had a lot of close associates with like that were and um one thing that ever that is really well known about Ulysses S. Grant is he was very very loyal and and so um yeah he got a lot of flack for standing behind people who actually really were doing corrupt Corrupt things usually around things like bribery and you know, greed, and yeah, typical Gilded Age things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's Ulysses S. Grant. I think, um, I think the only other example I have actually, I'm surprised, like, I didn't think about this sooner, but um, you know, for women examples, but Megan The Stallion, um, has her Mars oh. in this deck indefinitely, and um, you know, we, her birth time is still like in flux, right? But she has said on Twitter she's, that she's, she's a Taurus, Taurus rising, rising.
1: She is which Taurus would, rising.
0: And if that's the uh, case, then and she was born at around like 11, then that would put her moon in Leo too. But I, I, okay. I yeah. Um, um, it'd be right on Regulus, actually. Um, yeah,
1: the thing is like, uh, cause, you know, that would put, um, I'm just thinking about like her issues. Like the thing that I think of the most is um, what happened with Tori lanes um, yes. and how he, um, you know, shot her in the foot and how on social media, like certain people decided to like act like she was lying or made stuff up and things like that. Um, and I'm just thinking about that, like seventh, 12th house relationship thing. And like maybe relationships with um, certain men being a little bit difficult. Um, and that showing up like in that whole situation i don't remember like what transits were going on at the time but like i really felt bad that she felt like she had to get on social media to like defend herself when she clearly was injured and like she should have been you know focused on healing um yeah i don't know like that felt very loud to me um examples i have i have like a couple of quick ones and then like one really well thought out one like so you're gonna laugh but like both chris jenner and bill gates share this in common they have jupiter conjunct pluto in this deck, and they're both like massively rich um (laughs) chris jenner has this in the 12th house though and she's managed to build an empire off of her like family image but also like through the acclaim she's like been able to share by being married to like you know rob robert kardashian senior aka one of um oj simpson's top lawyers and um you know being married to uh caitlin jenner for a while you know star athlete um but yeah she's built this whole empire off controversy and like i think it's telling that jupiter rules her like fourth and houses, like and she's been able to do that like i mean it doesn't help that they're conjunct regulus uh in the case of bill gates i'm not really sure like if it's this but i think he's a better example for like the scorpio stuff because and the libra stuff because he has like quite a bit in libra and scorpio and i feel like that maps more onto his like rise but i think it's notice, it's very telling how like he has this jupiter in the second house conjunct pluto and regulus and he's like I don't know like I feel like any controversy around him might have to do with like all of his health stuff because you know how he's like promoting like vaccines and things and he's like promoting like certain climate and health practices and he's doing all the shady stuff like buying up land and whatnot and so I can't help but think that like while a lot of people support whatever he's doing, especially because Jupiter is its own primary triplicity lord since he's a night chart, like, there's a lot of support for whatever the hell he's doing. Um uh, Pluto's there. It's shady. It's the last decan of um Leo, which does have, like, propagandist, but also acquisitional energy. Like, some of the imagery does, like, have people who are happy to covet things from other people. Mm-hmm. Um And... I'm thinking about the fact that right now he's in a Jupiter perfection uh, and Jupiter's mm-hmm. about to oppose his Jupiter again and you know like he is in the middle of going through a divorce um, yes. a huge divorce that's supposed to shape the nonprofit world but also the stocks like to be honest yeah Jill um, Gates like and Can it's imagine like imagine
0: being so fucking rich that like your divorce is gonna affect the fucking stock market
1: yeah yeah and like between like the jupiter getting ready to i think didn't they announce the divorce like um before jupiter and pisces like yes yeah okay like i think stuff with that's gonna happen but like concurrently like um he's going into a capricorn perfection at the end of this year like in uh october actually um and that venus retrograde on his descendant conjunct pluto like that's just all of whatever is going on with that coming out like i think between the jupiter retrograde piece like whatever he was hoping to like do with this jupiter and pisces shit that he was gonna benefit from and probably will like will probably be heavily contested during this divorce and then like whatever shady shit this guy was doing like will probably come out with like a very active Venus retrograde in his perfected house. Like I, we'll talk about Bill Gates more like in the coming months, but yes. don't be surprised if like the next like two years are not good for Bill Gates. Not good at all. Yeah, Like don't be surprised.
0: I think, um, um, I think that's all I got for examples. I think one last thing, I think you're like wondering what were the transits when Megan The Salian got shot? Um, why Tory Lanes and yeah Mars was an Aries already in her 12th <sighs> house I know <laughs> yeah
1: and I really mm, I don't know like I'm really upset about that whole situation like it, it was not fair to her and then I think like all the you know um drama it started because I think she also had to be careful about you know the friends she was um associating with and whatnot Um yeah I mean but there's other stuff about like friends and success in her chart like she has saturn in her 11th squaring her jupiter so like i mean i don't know like she has to be careful um yeah i have three rapid fires i can share so martin scorsese has his chiron ascendant conjunction and so in this particular decan and I mean, I mentioned in the last um, episode that, like, he couldn't really do all the things that other kids could do, like, so... Because he was very sickly, and so... Mm -hmm. I feel like some of his, like, focus in life is trying to, like, reclaim some of that through, like, depicting these, like, hardy, aggressive, like, types through his um, artistry and things. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like, he's also another, like um leo rising Mm ruled by scorpio's son and we can talk about him like for days in the scorpio episode so we'll do that (laughs) um so al gore's wife tipper gore uh is actually she actually has like a saturn kazemi in her second house and so saturn is her spouse in the second house and i think it's interesting that like you know politicians often live in this Deccan and you know it's like oh like you were married to like the vice president of Venus at one point okay that's very loud um and then last example again is jean piaget he has uh mercury and venus here uh conjunct the south node and so even though a lot of his ideas about child development are still pretty influential and many of the concepts are talked about today a lot of psychologists like really critique his approach to his findings and his methodology because like you know he wasn't doing all the like you know Having the sample size, you know, peer reviewing, blah, blah, blah. This dude literally just, like, observed his kids from birth. Like, and, you know, Venus rules his fifth house. So, like, he observed his kids from birth and just documented everything he saw. I mean, even then, it's still... And, like, even though he was, like, focused on developmental psychology, a lot of his ideas influenced things like morality, philosophy, all kinds of other shit. Like, so it had all these other unintended consequences still heavily talked about um yeah but that's yeah. It for me in terms of that, examples.
0: yeah i guess one final rapid fire for me is it's funny that yeah another another psychologist who you know obviously has really really changed like the field but now is really has been under rapid fire around his um his his ideals and his methods now uh, sigmund freud has his midheaven heaven in this second <laughs>
1: you yeah. know like what's interesting about freud is that Jung actually has his son in the first decan of um of leo but i think his descendant is like hold on
0: no I'm like, like
1: carl Jung know? has like a sketchy birth time but we know it's around sunset like so he's likely aquarius rising like mm-hmm so his descendant is somewhere in leo and i think it's really interesting like their whole dynamic or their whole relationship is really interesting like i don't know like yeah freud oh freud that guy he is mm. issues
0: yep (laughs) all Um, right i i think that's it do you have any like announcements to make around your practice or anything um,
1: so in terms of announcements i am open for consults until september and i'm taking a hiatus for at least six weeks i will not be doing readings while mars is in libra like absolutely not do not talk to me do not think about me like nothing Uh, no i'm joking um (laughs) But yeah, like, uh, just go to my link tree, which is in my bio literally everywhere, like Twitter, Instagram, whatever, and you'll find my link to book. Um, I'm giving a talk for uh, Fresh Voices, in theory. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to announce this, but I am. So, like, um, um, be on the lookout uh, for um, announcements about that. I'm supposed to be doing a talk for them. It's all about triplicity. So if you want to know about triplicity, please drop by. It should be free if you attend like the actual session. But like if you want if you want like an all access pass so you can like save the recording and watch it whenever you want, like totally do that. Um other things I have going on. Other than that, it's just like look forward to late August, which is when the talk is happening, get on my books, because in September, I'm going to be focusing on school and um, building my website.
0: Nice. I think the big thing for me is my readings are still the close, But I am, you know, for existing clients, just if you if you are one, and you're listening to this, just send me an email or DM me. Because um, I am open to doing those kinds of consultations. I I am really starting to lean toward like focusing more on electional and horary after like, you know, these months off now, like I actually, I am really, really, really enjoying that work, but I'll talk more about that once I've really kind of made decisions. And I think the last big thing for me is I did start blogging. Like I really want to write more about astrology and I'm planning on doing more and more of that. So that's where I want to like, on top of doing these podcasts, like I really want to, focus more on writing and reading and just continuing to learn and i actually same. really do want to check out that Triplicity talk you're going to be doing
1: same same <laughs> like i i've been enjoying the podcast mm-hmm. sphere um and i am also looking forward to like sharing more of my like written content i think that especially with the nodes eventually moving through my third ninth house axis, like I think more podcasting, more writing, more webinars, like things I hope to do, Um, less, you know, deep studying and any deep studying I'm doing is dedicated to my PhD. Like after, you know, I, I actually started like taking the full Hellenistic course instead of like just running with the parts I bought and, you know, was learning with a couple years ago. I was like, look, let's just get this out the way. I want the certification. Let's go. I'm learning Vedic concurrently on my own. Maybe like after the nodes are done with Scorpio Taurus, I'll get a Jyotishi as a teacher. But right now I'm like, look, I just got to crank out this PhD. I'm done. (laughs) Like, I'm done. (laughs) I can't do it. (laughs) Nice. So, yeah.
0: Well, well, thanks for doing this Leo episode with me.
1: Yes. I hope everyone enjoys.
0: Yeah, same. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye.